0: everybody it's your boy Jordan and this is Desmond and welcome to episode 218 of two black nerds Nerd. right it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom pop culture and entertainment as always you can find two black nerds wherever you get your podcasts please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support and of course join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on all social media at two black nerds we appreciate that love y'all and let's not forget to mention we have merchandise that's available now at twoblacknerds.com Go check out our Nerds and Mischief collection inspired by Loki. We got t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodie stickers, mugs, and toe bags, so go ahead and place those orders right now. On today's show, we'll be reviewing the 10th television show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Echo. We'll start by sharing our overall thoughts about the new series, and then we'll do a spoiler-filled deep dive on the show's characters and major moments. But before we get to any and all of that, we're kicking off this week's podcast with a brief recap on Echo's introduction and development in the MCU. So a couple of years ago, we got the Hawkeye series, dropped in December of 2021, it was a Christmas time show, and we knew going into that series that they were going to be introducing Echo into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe, but even before we got to the arrival of Hawkeye, we knew that this character was coming. I remember in December of 2020, we were still in the midst of the pandemic, Marvel had announced that Alakwa Cox had been cast as the character Maya Lopez, aka Echo, and she was going to be making her debut in Hawkeye before then eventually spinning off into her own solo series, which was officially announced at the Disney Plus Day event in November of 2021. Now, I think it's important to note that around that time in 2021, we were still beginning phase four. We were still sort of entering this new chapter for Marvel. We had gotten a few things like Eternals and Black Widow. Some of the shows had rolled out like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki. But I think at that time, we were still pretty optimistic just about where things might have been going with the multiverse saga And even though Mm, the show Echo might have been somewhat of a head-scratcher because I don't think a lot of people know about the character, I think many of us still kind of reserve judgment and say, well, let's wait and see what happens. This could be a great opportunity. Obviously, it's an indigenous character. There's a a great chance Mm -hmm. for representation there. But I just want to start by asking you before we get really into the show and all the details, how did you feel about this particular character getting their own show? Just considering that, once again, it's not one of the more well-known characters from the comics. It doesn't necessarily have... I think is much of an in-depth history compared to some of these other characters that we've yet to see be introduced in the MCU.
1: You know, it's it's such a I think a weird thing to place a little bit and where on how I feel about uh, Echo and what it means for a character like Echo to get a show because I think a lot of us when Disney Plus when we knew Disney Plus would be a thing I, I know I was excited to potentially for that to be the, the avenue for lesser-known characters to get. Some kind of limelight, right? I mean, by this time now, I mean now, as we're talking today, we have Moon Knight, and we have, uh, uh, of course, of, of course, there weren't Echo in there, but we have Miss Marvel. You know, we have look, we have all these characters that weren't the big household names in Marvel Comics, and I think to that to that degree and to that point, I at least was somewhat interested to see what they could do um, with a smaller character like Echo. Uh, but it's it's also like. One of those things where, okay, did they make us care about her enough in that in that early series? Did we get excited enough when we when we seen Hawkeye um, for for this to be you know warranted for people to say, oh yeah, I would love to watch an Echo series. I'm not sure we got all the way there. I'm not sure I got all the way there, but I think again as a concept, her being indigenous, her uh, being deaf, her being disabled, you know what I mean, her missing a leg, it's all those things, I think made for cool idea to say, okay, maybe we should give this character a chance. And I did know a little bit about Echo. I mean, I'm a comic nerd. I'm a, you know, random characters here and there. And I did know a little bit about her. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I was kind of in the middle when it came to, okay, Let's let's have a whole show about this character or not. I I really I've I've always kind of been teetering. "Mm, Maybe do we need it? And then, "Ah, yeah, I could see where this could be a good thing. So I've always kind of stood in the middle when it came to who Echo was, I think, as a character. And if I wanted to see her in her own TV series.
0: Yeah, I I think at the time, again, going back to 2021, though, things started to sort of look a little concerning from the MCU in in terms of the shows and, and movies we were getting. I don't think it was panic mode yet, where, whereas mm-hmm. today it, it's certainly just a, a different state of things where I think people are very, very kind of uh, disenchanted, I guess, for lack of a better term, with mm-hmm. what what we've been getting. And so I, I scratched my head a little bit like, OK, I don't know if this character warrants an entire show. What What is it about Echo that really is going to get me as an audience member to be invested into this character, again, that doesn't necessarily have as much notoriety as some of these other heavier hitters and heavier comic characters might may have but you know that is the the chance for disney plus to to kind of expound on those things but i think uh, it's also still important that we look at characters and say like well maybe they don't necessarily need their own show but they could be great supporting players they could have their own sub storylines as a part of a a a, a different type of property Mm -hmm. all of those things have to be examined and so you know it was it was kind of just me thinking like, well, let's see what happens. Let's see what they can do to get me excited about this. And then when we got Hawkeye in in 2021 and we just saw the introduction of the character, there was really nothing in that show that got me super excited to see what Echo was going to be Mm -hmm. about. And I think think the introduction was kind of largely mishandled. And and, and with what they did, there were some cool elements there. And I think Alakwa Cox is great casting. I really like her in the role itself, but just the way that they handled her and the story beats Mm – Nothing was really done there because by and large, that show is is just OK to me. And so knowing that this was mm-hmm. going to be on the horizon, I was just like, well, you know, I guess we'll we'll see what they give us. But it doesn't necessarily feel like the best investment of their time and their energy and their resources. Um, but that being said, you know, we've been learning and hearing about the show for a couple of years now since we have known about it essentially since 2020, 2021, around that time. Um, and, and leading up to the show, we we were hearing about some potential production issues that existed behind the scenes, um, which a lot of this information, I mean, if you go back 15, 20 years, we wouldn't really hear about this stuff. But just because of like social media and scoopers and the internet, we hear about almost everything and almost every nitty gritty detail. Um, But initially, this show was supposed to possibly have eight episodes. Uh, Jeff Snyder talked about this in in earlier this year, earlier in 2023, I should say, how initially it was going to be eight episodes. But Various production issues caused Marvel to essentially scrap a lot of what they had and go back to the drawing board, reshoot some things. Mm. Then it was going to have six episodes before ultimately landing on the five episodes that we got. And so I'm not sure how realistic, incredible eight episodes is because they've always done six episodes up until this point. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it is pretty much been been said and, and, and confirmed that six episodes were on the table, were filmed. But for whatever reason, it's now been reduced to five. Um, but not only that, this is also kind of presenting some some new things for the MCU that we haven't quite seen. Um, a, a couple of things that we discussed about a month ago when we first got the trailer for this, but this this is a series of many firsts. You know, it's the first series to have a simultaneous release on Disney Plus and Hulu. Um, it's also the first series to exist under this new Marvel Spotlight banner, which is supposed to be, I guess, this new banner to introduce more grounded, character-driven stories that don't necessarily connect to the larger tapestry um and then of course you know it's tv ma rating as well um without getting too much into the tv ma aspect of it because i do feel like that that's going to come back around how do you feel about this as sort of the launch pad for a marvel spotlight series and what that could potentially mean maybe for the future of the mcu because we haven't really seen them lean into this and i think now with just so much stuff out there so many tv shows and so many movies. We can no longer expect people to keep up with all of this stuff like that. That can just not be. A, that, right. that can't be a realistic expectation on on the part of Marvel. So, how do you feel about them introducing this new banner to to mostly say like, "Hey, you don't need any prior knowledge. You can come into this sh- this series or this movie cold, and you can start off from that jumping point there."
1: Yeah. Uh. Ooh. Man, this spotlight thing. I thought they say that. Um. And you know, we'll get into the show in a minute. <laughs> And then, they're, and then they'll turn around and be like, oh, look at all these things that you need to see before you get into the TV show. I think it's so funny. Um, so I think, I think as a concept, it makes sense, right? I think as a concept, I actually love the idea. You don't have to have any previous knowledge of the MCU in order to come into the story, in order to come in and say, I want to watch the show. And again, not need to know anything and just enjoy it for what it is. I think that that is a good concept. I'm not sure if Marvel has yet to practice that concept accurately <laughs> and honestly yet um, not with this project anyway. And so I think I I think I understand the the concept or the the idea to make this the first spotlight banner like I get what they're going for. I just don't think they succeeded in whatever their promise was, but I definitely think, um, yeah, I see the idea, I see the vision, I see what they're trying to do. Uh, and so maybe. Again, maybe this was a good test for them. Maybe they get a lot of feedback from the show in terms of how they feel about the spotlight banner, even as we're talking about it right now. Um, But I'm, I'm hoping that. Other series after this, I think, follow the criteria of what spotlight means more accurately or maybe when we do see a couple more projects fall underneath this banner we can even understand a little bit more what they're really trying to do with it but from what they say it is and what they want it to be this show really isn't that um but again i I think i see the vision on why they chose this show first
0: yeah and this was also a later addition that you know i don't think i don't think in the conception of the show when it was first getting off the ground years ago that they had marvel spotlight Mm -hmm. in mind this feels like a reactionary attempt to do a few things, you know, one set it apart from other things that we've seen again, because of the rating of the show, um, the inherently, Mm -hmm. I think the inherent lack of knowledge that exists on the part of audiences as it relates to the character of echo, but then also these tie-ins that it looks like that they're doing with other shows that they didn't necessarily produce, which is kind of the next thing that I want to get to before the show released or right around when the show released. Um, it, it was, it was seemingly confirmed that the, Marvel Netflix shows, which it's important to note, were not produced by Marvel Studios. So those shows, when they aired on Netflix all those years ago, Kevin Feige and his whole team did not make those shows. They were made by an entirely separate division of the company, Marvel Television, when it still existed. Mm -hmm. And they entered into this pack with Netflix, agreed to do a number of shows... And for the most part, at least in those early stages, they were successful before they kind of weren't. Daredevil was a great success. Jessica Jones early out the gate. Luke Cage. And then things started to falter with Iron Fist and The Defenders. Things became very, very shaky before eventually all of those shows ended up getting canceled by Netflix just due to the high production costs and the fact that they weren't being watched by a ton of people. So then once they existed on that platform for a while, the rights reverted back to Marvel Studios proper To have those shows, and as you can go on Disney Plus now, you'll see that they exist there, and they've always existed under their own tab called the Defender Saga. You know, Marvel has other things like the Fox movies, other animated shows from the 80s and the 90s that they did not produce, but they're they're there on Disney Plus because they have those rights back. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not a part of the quote-unquote sacred timeline. That is at least until now, because right as this show was debuting this past Tuesday, um, it, it, it looks like the powers that be over at Disney Plus and Marvel have decided to add those shows into the proper MCU timeline. So if you go on Disney Plus and you go to that MCU timeline tab, you will see shows like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist and The Punisher all exist within that timeline. Now that's largely been, that's been that's been the opposite of what they've told us. You know, they've always told us like, yeah, that's a separate division of the company. Who knows what could happen? But they've been very cagey about just the status of, whether or not those shows exist in this timeline or not. We've also had questions as fans as to whether or not the the versions of Kingpin and, and Daredevil, are those the same versions of the characters from the shows on Netflix as what we're seeing mm-hmm. now since they've been introduced to the MCU. So with all of that said, man, I want to ask you, how do you feel about that? How do you feel like how do you feel about the fact that it looks like now they are officially canonizing all of that material that Netflix produced with Marvel Television all those years ago? And I think by and large, from what we're seeing in this show and just also what they're telling us, it it does appear that everything that happened is canon. Those are the same characters. And we're now just going to continue their storylines in the MCU.
1: You know, I really, really want to love and like this idea um, that all those shows are canon. (laughs) They meant something to what we're doing right now. Uh, Part of me part of me really likes that part of me again you just said it man they were they were cooking with grease uh over there on netflix man jessica jones luke cage and daredevil were doing things that we enjoyed and in while those shows were happening uh as as much as we love them there was a little bit of weirdness i think even in as, as a fan it's like dang this stuff is really disconnected from everything else will we, will we never get spider-man and daredevil on screen at the same time and now that they are being, you know, seemingly made canon, I think it, 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 there, there, there is a lot of potential there for this to be a good thing, for this to be um, substantial, yeah, for for it to mean something in in terms of MCU timelines and all of this streetness that they that it seems like they want to do. Um, but again, the only my only drawback is they have to do it right, and it has to feel. Because those those Netflix series were so separate, the the grittiness of them were just so different, man. The direction was different, the tone was so different than what the MCU is, and and I think that's my drawback is it's, it's going to be hard for them, I think, to balance. Oh, the, all of those shows are candy now, but now what's what's the what's the tone like? Are, are we going to get the real Daredevil season two? <laughs> you know, what I'm, are we going to get like Punisher kind of feel? in this in this universe can they make the two coexist and so I think I I really like that idea of making it canon it's just we gotta we gotta make sure we take we gotta take care of it as it was taken care of on Netflix and I think that's my biggest thing
0: yeah I think um there have been so many questions and I've had conversations with people all the time just about whether or not this is going to happen whether or not it was realistic and Again, for a long time, because there were there, there was legitimate tension between Marvel Studios and Marvel Television for a long time. Um, this this just didn't seem like it was going to be a reality that they were going to eventually bring in this stuff in the fold. But now that Kevin Feige oversees everything, you know anything is essentially possible. And I think that it's the right decision to canonize these things because there there was so much good stuff that was done in those shows even even above some of the things that I that I think are drawbacks of those shows I don't I don't think they were perfect mm-hmm. by any stretch there there was right. there were a lot of times where I looked at those as you know kind of failed experiments in some regards but I think the positives outweigh the negatives especially as it relates to what you can do in the future and how you can make these mm-hmm. characters and these stories interconnect with things that they've already set up in the MCU and, and 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 that foundation is strong enough that you can take this and really do so much with it but uh, to the point that you said earlier I mean, to replicate that style and tone and what they achieved all those years ago has just never really been Marvel Studios style because they've established right. their own house style. And and to now try to figure out how to how to really um I think really remedy just you know that 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 disconnect that mm-hmm. dissonance that we're going to experience and those, those questions where it's going to feel a little it's going to feel a little jarring like it doesn't feel like the same person but but they're telling mm-hmm. us that it is um, they have a lot of work cut out for them to to get us there to that point and I think this kind of informs a lot of what's happening with the Daredevil show and just the conversation yeah. around Born Again and the fact that they have gone back to the drawing board they've essentially scrapped everything that they've already done and. Now there's the reports that the characters of of Karen and Foggy are going to return, you know, really to, again, I think once again, grounded in the fact that this is Mm -hmm. the same show, the same characters, the same story. It's just done under a different studio. Um, That's the right stuff to do. Those are the right moves to make. But um, it does does go beyond that with the execution, how the show is conceived, the writing, just the overall tone as well, and what you're trying to set out to do here. Because it's one thing to just say, like, yeah, we're magically connected now, but Mm. it's another thing to make it feel seamless like you exactly. leave daredevil season three and now we come into here and it, it feels all connected and i just re daredevil season three to just kind of remind mm. myself of that tone and that style and i'll just say you know when you look at echo and it is a separate show entirely and a separate character but they don't feel connected the, these do not feel like they're of the same mind you know yeah. and so i think uh they have more to do to get to that place mm-hmm. eventually when daredevil born again does come out but um Let's go ahead and dive into this show in all the nitty-gritty details, and so we're going to officially kick off our review of the brand-new Marvel Studios television series, Echo.
2: Maya. I see everything that you are. I always have. So much pain in you. 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 So much rage. That you can't contain it.
0: So the head writers for the show are Marion Dayer and Eamon Rarden. Sydney Freeland leads the directing team, and it's starring Alakwa Cox. She's also surrounded by a supporting cast of Chaske Spencer, Devry Jacobs. Also, Vincent D'Onofrio comes here as Kingpin. We've seen him a lot in the marketing as well. Um, before we get into spoilers, because we're going to kind of go episode by episode, and we're, we're going to bounce around a lot, too, just to talk about all the big moments and things that occur throughout the series. Um, it's important that we just kind of start off with our our opening thoughts about the show and what we saw since we did get all five episodes at the same time which again is another brand new another brand new sort of method for marvel studios and disney they've never done this before but we got a chance to check out all five episodes and so um before we dive into spoilers man what were your overall thoughts about echo how did you feel about it did you like the show did you dislike it let the people know your thoughts
1: echo 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 i think i think i would call this show a a failed experiment, but an okay show, if that makes any sense. I think I think they they set out to do something. I don't think they necessarily succeeded in that thing, <laughs> per se. But I think it was just it turned out to be an okay show overall. Not great, not a super train wreck. Just a a Disney Plus MCU show. Um, is exactly the best way I think I can describe it. There are things in here that you've seen before. Um, I was pretty excited about the TV MA rating. They do a couple things to, to, for you to go, oh, that is TV MA, but not enough to also make it feel like the show should have been TV Uh This is a, and, 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 and you know, um, Liquid Cox, she's really solid as Echo, um, but they have a lot to do in the show, and I think the show is, is is was a very hard thing to pull off uh, not only the making this a a darker trying to make this a darker universe having kingpin be a part of this thing having to have your lead be deaf and you sign language and you read in subtitles for majority of the time now there was just a lot i think for this show to have to tackle successfully um and to be honest that's already hard to do but Still sound like a broken record. It's going to be hard to do in five episodes at that. Um, And so it's it's it was just turned out, I think, fine overall. There's some things I really like and some things I just it felt generic and like we had been here before and seen some of these things before. I think the show succeeds the most where I think Maya Lopez is allowed to be Maya Lopez in any given scene. She has street smarts. She can fight. (laughs) and a lot of times those were the scenes I was like okay this is where I want to be um they this show also made attempts for us to explain to us and made some changes even to the character a little bit to explain to us why Maya Lopez is called Echo there's a lot of family things in here and I think that uh just the way the show is made all those things Aren't explained, or they don't work. Uh, this show left open so many questions and answered almost none of them. Um, I think which is interesting. Even more than that, this show in some ways is oh, I have to confront Kingpin again as Maya Lopez as Echo, but somewhat in a less interesting way than it did before. I don't know how that's possible, (laughs) but they succeeded. Um, in that. Uh, I do also really like the supporting cast though. I think everything, all of the family stuff, kind of works here. I'm not sure all the ancestry stuff works for me completely here. I'm not sure all of that stuff is 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 doing what I was hoping that it would do, or was excited that it would do. Um, so overall, man, the it show it's a mess. It's a mess. It is, but there are again still a lot of things I like in it. Um, I just wish, yeah, I, I just think they failed the experiment what they set out to do uh, in. I was hoping the show would be gritty. It's not as gritty as I was uh, was hoping it'd be. Um, And I was hoping they would add some more layers to Echo, which I think they did. I think think now when Echo moves on to other shows and we see her whenever whatever street universe they're making, I think she'll be serviced better eventually in that way. But I don't think the show necessarily uh, uh, made her out to be a big character that I was excited that she was going to be. So very kind of normal MCU show. Um, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. So okay, show, but I think a failed experiment overall.
0: So um, I'll start and say that it, I think I think I th- we we'd be remiss to not mention the fact uh, what what the show is achieving on a number of different levels. You know, I think it's important that we do have a show that is accounting for so much representation across the board as it relates to Indigenous people. Uh, Marvel and Disney worked with the Choctaw people of Oklahoma to conceive and and create this show. I think that that's that's great. That's wonderful. Um, It's also great that we have a character who is living with a disability, is an amputee living with a prosthetic leg, um, is a character that's deaf, but showcasing how none of those things are hindering her from achieving the things that she's setting out to do, whether they're great or, or bad or however you perceive them, but the fact that this is a mm-hmm. a powered being to to some extent that is capable, more than capable really, of of hanging with the best of them, um and I think that that's great. You know, we're, we're seeing all of this stuff really, really kind of take shape in this show. It, it sends a great message, and it also allows people to be seen. You know, who might not have had those opportunities to have been seen before. So I think it's important that that is a thing and that's real and that it exists and that that is wonderful stuff and that's mm-hmm. great work because it 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 does require intentionality to go down those different routes. Um that being said, still got to talk about this show as a show as as a as a final as, as a final product that was put on Disney Plus Hulu wherever you watched it. And overall, I'm just not a fan of it. I didn't really enjoy the show. I thought that by and large, it kind of failed on many different fronts in which I wanted it to succeed. Uh, first and foremost is just the nature of it being a television show. It, it doesn't always feel like a television show how how a television show should properly feel. This does certainly feel like the possible victim of too many cooks in the kitchen. I think that the production issues yeah. that we've heard about certainly came to pass in the construction And the development of the series, I was watching several episodes where I could just tell that they were chopping and editing stuff together and kind of pulling together this Frankenstein monster of a final story of a final episode. And it was really jarring for me. And I think that uh, you can just kind of see the seams coming apart from behind the scenes where they didn't really they didn't really know where the direction of the show was going to go about midway through. Or at least it started off as one thing and then it just transitioned into an entirely different thing. And I think you can kind of see that vision. Just get lost the more that you watch it. Uh, from another perspective, as a story, it doesn't really do much for me either because after I walked away from watching the show, one, I think that a lot of the supporting characters who I, I was really excited to see, I think a lot of them were just largely underserved and underutilized. Um, it, it, it It's really interesting because a lot of the cast here were also in Reservation Dogs, which is a tremendous show. I would recommend people watch that on Hulu. Mm-hmm. It's great. Many of the cast members from that show are in this show, and you can just see the distinguishable differences and how they're utilized and how you connect to them as characters. Because here, you don't really get much time or opportunity to actually develop a relationship with them, because we only have five episodes, and the and the the, the, the way that the episodes and the real estate is used is not all that great. And, and and I was left disappointed by that. But then, first and foremost, with the main character of Echo, you know, played by Alaco Cox, um, I thought that. The way that they just brought her to life on screen was fine. I liked what Alaqua did with the performance because she she has a great commanding screen presence. Mm-hmm. But the beats that they utilized for her in the story that they that they gave her and just how it took place over the course of the five episodes, I, I'm just unsure about how we're how we're supposed to feel about her after all of this. I don't know if we're supposed to walk away thinking that she's heroic, or if she's supposed to be an anti-hero, or just a, a pure villain, because her motivations tell us one thing, but then the end of the show, when she now comes into her own, I guess, you know, for 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 lack of a better term, without getting into spoilers, it just sends a completely different message, and that just left me confused. And, uh, you know, I think last, and certainly not not least, you know, it's just the the whole, um, the whole marketing for the show and just the way that they wanted to win us over, the fact that they slapped on the TVMA rating, the fact that they yep. leveraged Kingpin and Daredevil in the marketing to no end, um, from that perspective, I guess it's smart because you want to get people to watch this, but when you watch this show... All of those things kind of falter. And and, and and first and foremost, it is the rating itself. The fact that they led us to believe that this was going to be a super mature, super gritty show. And it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like a traditional MCU show with a couple of violent scenes. And And I always tell people, you know, at this point, at this day and age, it is no point to get excited about trailers anymore. Because trailers mm-hmm. can do such a magnificent job to make you believe that you're going to see something. And then by the time you arrive to that final product it will be an entirely different thing. So many so many different variables come into play behind the scenes for these types of big projects. And so a trailer, it did what it needed to do. It's supposed to get you excited. It's supposed to get you to that level of thinking, "Oh, they're they're going to be doing something different here." But when you really watch the show, it's not all that different. You know, it's just a couple of violent scenes. And and it's one thing to slap on that rating, it's a, it's another thing entirely to conceive and conceptualize a show from the very beginning to be that. To have the tone, the subject mm. matter, the themes, the characters actually mm-hmm. live and walk that every single day in, in the story that they're trying to tell. And that's that's why I'm glad I rewatched Daredevil season three, because you can see the differences. And, and what's interesting about the Netflix yeah. shows, the TVMA is not because of bad language. Like they don't ever say like crazy shit in those shows. They don't ever drop <laughs> F bombs. Right. They don't do stuff like it's all due to the tone and the subject matter. Like there's yeah. there's small things like when you see when you see matt murdock and he has huge scars on his body from just the toll that 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 him being dare, daredevil takes on him you can see the stitching you can see the blood dripping like it's small stuff like that that adds mm-hmm. to that rating that adds to, to to the maturity of the of the subject matter they don't do any of that here like when was echo ever actually like damaged or hurt like we never really saw it like her prosthetic got messed up in one part but it's like she, she's not gonna feel that she just has to get a replaced. like it's right. not gonna mean literally anything, you know? so, mm-hmm. yeah so and so i think it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like it y'all haven't exactly gotten to the to the essence of what that means exactly. you know th- there's much more to do to get to the essence of like why this should be a more mature a mature show that you know isn't appropriate for kids and and and, and they haven't quite cracked that but um we're gonna get into a lot more as we talk about spoilers and so folks if you've not seen echo um. This is going to be your official spoiler warning, and uh, go check that out if you choose to, and then come back and listen to the rest of our conversation. Um, and, and we should start with the first episode, but even beyond the first episode, kind of a recurring thing that happened throughout this show, which was a bit of a surprise, didn't see it coming, but episode one is entitled Shafa. And the way that it starts really kind of threw me off. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was kind of confused at the beginning <laughs> of it because it's yeah. a flashback to reveal the origins of the Choctaw Nation. Um, and, and Chaffa being the, the the first member of the Choctaw people, um, and she kind of emerges from this this fantastical, magical, realistic place under the earth. Um, again, I think just coming into an echo show when we see the trailer and we see the marketing all of it feels very street level. It's supposed to take place in Oklahoma. We start off with this really fantastical beginning that feels, you know, I think more traditional MCU like what we've seen. But mm-hmm. this isn't the only time. We we have several other flashbacks happen throughout the rest of the episodes, um, some of them taking place in the very, very distant past, some of them in the in the more recent present. But the second episode has one that takes place in 1200 AD. We get to see a Choctaw stickball game. Um, there's another one in the late 1800s. We see another one of her ancestors took to clo um so this is again a recurring thing but as we get to the later episodes they become a little bit closer to the story and where it lands we see a young a young maya we see her relationship develop with kingpin but what did you think about that 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 specific sort of trope i guess being the way that we kicked off every episode and how it sort of set the stage for potentially what the themes were going to be in that respective episode
1: you know it's it was something i too was very surprised about but for a second, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, okay, maybe there's some cool, I don't know, I feel like when shows, when they have flashbacks or they have callbacks to some of this older, you know, some something in Ancestry or a lot of times I'm like, okay, maybe they can bring this back in a really cool way, you know, something to go, oh, shoot, that's what's happening here. Um, and I think, you know, I began to understand what, again, they were trying to do. With this lineage of the Choctaw peoples, again, specifically with, with, with Maya's family. And I think it was, I, I think I, I like the idea, but I don't think the execution was there, man. I don't think what they were trying to do, the connection they tried to make us go between, uh, uh, I think, Echo and her people, paid off in the way I think it was going to pay off. And by the end, when it all comes together, I'm like, I'm, okay, you have to do all that you know kind of I, I, and I was hoping that they that they use this as a, I think a little bit more um, I guess like parallel lessons you know what I mean I thought they would bring it home a little bit harder within each episode or within each flashback or within each thing that was happening um, The in fact the Choctaw stickball one in episode two was probably my favorite of the ones because it felt like the one that tied back and I understood the most I was like okay actually like and understand this flashback in particular so it was really in and out for me um again every time it happened I was like okay this we might can do something cool here and then I was either met with a oh I see what you did or I don't understand what you're trying to get at here almost at all um so yeah it was it was it was a little wishy-washy for me
0: yeah I'm not gonna lie I was confused I was just like what what's going on here uh it felt It felt very akin to Black Panther, but I think with Black Panther, we kind of knew and expected that that was going to be a thing. A lot Mm -hmm. of the ancestry and the history and the lineage, but none of this stuff was really in the marketing. And so when I saw it, I was like, what's going on here? And then by the second episode, Mm -hmm. I was like, "Okay, I see what they're trying to do. They're connecting her to her lineage, you know, her mother and her grandmother and her great grandmother going back generation to generations, which I think is a cool idea. And I think that that makes sense. And it really you know, as you alluded to earlier, it starts to speak to how she got her name as Echo. Um, that mm-hmm. in and of itself is a cool idea. The execution of it, um, I don't know. It just again, it just felt jarring. It just felt really, really disconnected from everything else that was happening. Um, mm-hmm. although on paper, it's like this is a really cool concept, and I do like the Stickball one the best because that that one actually displayed, I think, a great sense of scale. You know, it yeah, was it was it was true. epic. It was huge. It looked it looked like they put a lot of money and thought into that that specific set piece. I really, really enjoyed that one. Um, and even the one with Tucklow in episode three, the black and white, I thought that that was more smaller and more intimate, but still really cool. I just think that mm-hmm. they don't really define it and make it clear. It just didn't feel clear as to what they were trying to achieve and how this specifically exactly. ties into this whole exactly. journey until very late in the show. Like they, they just circle back to mm-hmm. it towards the end. And I, I I don't think that that was necessarily the best usage of, of this particular This particular uh, device, you know, to really connect us again to the 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 entire lineage of the Choctaw people and how it relates to to Echo and Maya, you know, as 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 a character. But um, as we as we dive deeper into episode one, I think it's important to to really kind of talk about this one because this one is doing a couple of things. Like one, it it is getting us caught up to speed with the present day and where Maya is, and the fact that she goes back to Tamaha um, to meet up with her family. She's been away from them for a while, but also in addition to that. It is showcasing really kind of all of the events that have led us to this place and her connection specifically with Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin. And we start with really kind of seeing how she lost her leg, but also how her mother eventually died it was from a car accident but it was a it was a sabotage incident the 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 brakes were were malfunctioning because somebody messed with them um and her mother died she has her leg amputated but then that leads us to again this connection that she has with Wilson Fisk and also her father and how he was very much tied in with the tracksuit mafia and and all of these things that really kind of shaped her in her early years um but much of this was coming over from Hawkeye like a lot of this footage was lifted directly from the Hawkeye show. It was archival footage. Nothing necessarily shot new, especially when we see Clint Barton show up and reveal to Maya that Wilson Fisk is is responsible for killing her father. Um, How did you feel just about the construction of of all of this? The fact that they're trying to, on one hand, show us where we are now, but on the other hand, I guess for those people that did not watch Hawkeye, they're given a quick history lesson (laughs) bouncing back and forth between past and present timelines to get us caught up to speed
1: it was messy man <laughs> it was so messy um because we i thought the spotlight series was supposed to be you don't have to watch anything else um and now we're doing all these crazy cuts to get us to say oh this is what happened in the events of hawkeye this is where <laughs> this is this is how we get here to this character of echo um in at the beginning of this series and and, and man it was a lot of like just crazy again just crazy cuts between those those flashbacks and what was happening not only that, um, but this episode has to present like a bunch of questions that are never answered ever. <laughs> um, and, and we see Maya's Maya's mother dies um, due to somebody cutting the brakes. I think we're just supposed to assume that her dad's criminal <laughs> background had something to do with what happened there. It was legit never answered. I'm like, that's a pretty big thing to happen and that's not to really dive deeper into that but okay if you say so so that was kind of like a thing that wasn't answered something else that wasn't answered that again sometimes all you need is just like one quick throwaway line for us to be like oh okay i can kind of believe that and one of that for me was like this dude kingpin legit got shot point blank in the eye and lived and then later on we see him use a bunch of like different technology you know and it's like at least you can explain like oh this technology helped Stop the bullet from killing me or, you know what I'm saying? Something really fast. We never hear it. It's just like he's alive because he's kingpin.
0: That's like the has, only answer. He has a godly skull. That that, that bullet could not penetrate a skull because it's his skull is so <laughs> fucking ridiculously huge. Uh, yeah, no, they, they, never, they never tapped into any of that at all. It was crazy.
1: Never tapped into it. So I'm just like, y'all presenting some crazy questions <laughs> and not saying any of the answers of what's happening. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of that stuff was, ooh, I didn't, I didn't know where to place it, because, um, and because, it, and again, it made, it's weird because I think individually, it makes, it makes sense. Like, oh, let's figure out, um, um, what happened to Kingpin? Let's fi- the car accident. All these are important things, but together they, it was messy. It was, it, it really was. Um, so yeah, it's crazy, man.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I really. I was having trouble with this first episode because I'm just like, what are we doing with this with this pacing and this editing? It was it was bad. It was just like flat out bad. I thought that this was just like poor mismanagement of introducing a character and getting us caught up to speed. I think that their thinking with this Marvel spotlight banner is that, oh yeah, you don't mm-hmm. have to watch anything else because we're just gonna show you everything that we already <laughs> shot anyway. That's gonna be our way to catch you <laughs> up. And it's like I guess that's one way to look at it, but also like as somebody who did watch Hawkeye, I'm legit sitting here mm-hmm. watching the show like, why am I watching the same shit over and over again? Thank God I didn't mm-hmm. decide to rewatch that episode of Hawkeye, because that would have really pissed me off, but yeah. I think that there are much more innovative and clever ways to go about doing something like this. For example, if you decide to just go back and replay the same beats Hell, give us a different perspective. Maybe, maybe showcase, yep. maybe showcase the mm-hmm. scene from a different perspective. We've seen Quentin Tarantino do that all the time. Like you'll see a scene, yeah. and then two hours later, that scene is presented from an entirely different character's point of view. Or at the very least, extend it. Give us a little bit more material. Like show us mm-hmm. a little bit more to that scene that wasn't present in President Hawkeye, so we can start to see and, and, and understand the dynamic a little bit more. But I, I think the reasons they that they didn't do that is because. This episode, I think, is, is clearly indicative to me that this was not the plan from the get-go to do it in this manner. They chopped mm. this together. They used the pieces that they had to figure out, well, how can, we, how can we make all this make sense? Because we can't go back and reshoot that stuff. It'll be too expensive or the people aren't available. How can we try to bring this all together to make it make sense as much as possible? And so they put somebody in the editing bay to just bring over these disparate parts from an entirely different show and try to drop it into the middle of a, of a completely new and different narrative and they just don't work together. They don't speak mm-hmm. to each other at all. This is one of the limitations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We scream interconnectivity. We want these things to make sense to with each other and flow into the next project. But at the same time. They're not conceiving these things in that way. When when they shot Hawkeye, when they filmed Hawkeye, mm-hmm. it almost speaks to me. This episode almost speaks to me to tell me that they did not at all plan for what the first episode of Echo was going to be. Otherwise, they would have been more strategic about how these things would be in conversation with each other. But they're not. They're not at all. And so I think that that just came really to pass. You know, in in the course of this episode, and I was just sitting there, kind of underwhelmed and bored by it to be honest with you um especially because it started off in a decent place like when we are starting to see the car accident like I thought that yeah. was you know pretty effective like I'm like okay this is great stuff we haven't seen before but then it just quickly comes to a screeching halt and for the next like 10 to 15 minutes it's like all this shit that I've seen before it was really really confusing to me um but you know on, on the other hand in in the midst of all of this in the midst of Echo coming into her own and really establishing this relationship with. Wilson Fisk and kind of becoming one of his right hand people. We also get a really, really good action scene, and I do want to give this show credit for yes. <laughs> at least the two action scenes that 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 stood yes. head and both shoulders. But the first one happened in this first episode, and it was uh it was between Maya and Daredevil, Matt Murdock. Um, this was the one and only time he was in the show. Um, I think if you again if you look at the marketing and. Maybe the way that Disney and Marvel presented this, you know, we we might have been led to believe that Daredevil was going to be a little bit more of a factor. Not a huge character. It's not his Mm -hmm. show. Never, never going to be somebody that we saw every episode, but maybe somebody who would have been around but this was the only time we saw him but for this little bit of time it was an incredible action scene they were going back and forth echo held her own what did you think about just that whole scene that they constructed which was almost kind of presented as a one shot which was i think an homage to daredevil and what those action scenes used to be how did you feel about just the way that they you know sort of presented this in the fight between those two
1: man to be honest as messy as this episode was this fight Scene got me excited for what the potential that this show had. Uh, and you know, to your point, I was like, Oh, we'll probably see him again, and a point that's not a flashback. Because unfortunately, this is also a flashback we're watching as Daredevil is present. And I'm like, okay, maybe we'll see him again. Um, again, we fortunately we don't, but see- seeing the energy that's in the scene, the choreography that was in the scene, seeing how Maya shaped up against Daredevil was like, okay, this girl is formidable. And not only that, again, this is a flashback. She's only going to be more formidable if they are ever to meet again or if they're ever to fight again. And even, again, we see like right after the fight, uh, it kind of fast forwards and Kingpin was like, ooh, I'm even – surprised on how you handled him and i'm like yeah because maya is a badass but let's make her look like one constantly <laughs> and uh, again we don't get too many of like moments where we're like oh yeah maya's really that person but this one here man i think they did a good job uh choreography again like you said it felt very homage to daredevil it felt like the fighting that i was hoping for when somebody tells me there's a tvma echo series and daredevil might be in it this is like oh that's exactly what that's supposed to look like to me and so yeah man I, I i thought it was a tremendous fight scene um and yeah i think that is the like one of the glimpses of what this show could have been um but it's also a glimpse into what you know potentially we might be getting with some with daredevil born again and if other if the other defender it shows start to pop up i think it's, it's like oh look marvel can do it If they really care about it, and here we are again, Daredevil being one of their babies, you gotta take care of it, man. And that's exactly what they did. They took care of the scene. And unfortunately, they don't, they don't really do it too much more outside of this. But I absolutely, I thought it was an amazing scene and it had me excited to watch the next four episodes after that, to be honest.
0: Yeah, we, we needed more of these. Like we needed like another like three or four of these sequences, and unfortunately we didn't get that. We got one other really good one in episode three, but um, at least with this one, man, I was I was just like, oh, that's incredible. That's great stuff. That's exactly what I want to see. First of all, Maya has a lot of excellent moments in this fight herself. There's the, there's the beginning of the fight where she kicks a chair with her prosthetic leg, and it goes flying into a guy's face. That was amazing. She snaps mm-hmm. a dude's neck. What I do love about the sequences here when she does get into a fight is also the fact that they they transition the sound a lot of the times the sound design will 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 allow you to to hear how she's hearing that particular situation going down because she is deaf, she's hearing heartbeats, she's hearing vibrations, she's hearing movement, she can't hear the screams and the and the bellowing of people when she's fucking offing them left and right. So I thought that that was like a cool way to, you know, sort of move in and out between how we're hearing the fight from her perspective versus others. Um, and then when Daredevil enters into the scene, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, he's just all over the place. He's flipping over the fence. They're going back and forth. It's a, it's a pretty equal matchup. Another moment that I loved is how, like, she's about to kick him, but she, like, delayed her kick to, like, anticipate his next movement, and then she kicks him. It's stuff like that that's, like, really, really, it's really small movements, but it makes so much sense in just the choreography and the dance that they're having because these movements, the fight is one thing, but, like, the fight has to mean something. Every movement has to mean something. It has to tell a story, and I think the story here essentially is to to what Kingpin spoke about later when he's like, you know, none of my men have ever been able to stand up to him in that way. Like, you're the only one who could do that. Um, And that just showcases, you know, how how formidable she really is. And so it was great and great to see Charlie Cox back here in the traditional red um, Daredevil outfit. Like it looked great. I thought all Mm -hmm. of that stuff was just really, really well done. Can't wait to see more of him. Unfortunately, he was here only for this scene, Um, which, you know, might have uh, again been like a, a tactic on the part of Marvel and Disney to say, like, well, if you're not really going to be into the show, we're going to put Daredevil in the very first fucking episode. So if you if you weren't going to watch everything to begin <laughs> with, here's your reason to stick around, because this would this would get somebody, I yep. think, to, to stick around and want to see, you know, what the rest of the show is going to be. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what you spoke about, like, well, maybe we'll see him again. I want to stick around for that. But they, they didn't go back to that to that particular character. Um, But, you know, that sort of leads us to the end of that episode where she does return home. But she's she's also like trying to lay low. She doesn't really want any of her friends or family to kind of know that she's uh, that she's back home. Um, but but Henry, who is her uncle, you know, is sort of helping her. And he's also kind of this this uh, somewhat of a mentor figure, obviously, brothers um, with with her father. Um, I do want to, you know, kind of spend a little bit of time talking about the the supporting cast here, the people that are rounding out this this particular family. I think for Maya, um, we have Henry known as Black Crow as well. That's her uncle. Um, her father isn't in the show all that much because he is dead in the present day. Um, But we also meet her grandmother, Chula, um, played by Tantu Cardinal, um, and then also Devry Jacobs, Bonnie, her cousin, which we do get some flashback moments to her in the first episode and how they were super close when they were young, but now they've sort of grown apart. They haven't really spoke to each other. There there's a, a little bit of tension there. And also Bonnie does not know that she's back. Um, and then also her cousin biscuits, who's a little bit kind of over the top. He's, he's an interesting character as well. Um, and then also um, the other character, uh, I can't remember his name. He was actually uh, the grandfather figure, not her technical. Gra- oh, Scully Scully. He's like a, a, Scully, a grandfather yeah. figure to her. Um, but he also is like, very good with tools and can make like new prosthetic legs for her and give her new things um, to really help her in her fights um what did you think overall just about the supporting cast you know just these new characters that are introduced into the mcu and how they relate really to Maya's story and what they're trying to do here yeah
1: um you know marvel's kind of been doing the thing where they're just families are getting better <laughs> within in terms of being more important in a lot of these people's lives you know i've, I've spoken at length we've spoken at length about how um, even the Miss Marvel series and her as a character, she's surrounded kind of by their family. And, and here in this in this uh, in this show, we do kind of see we do kind of have Maya dealing with all of her somewhat estranged family um, back in Oklahoma. And so it's, it's kind of a cool thing to see uh, where. Family is present, but they're not always, or they're not completely together. I think that is a different narrative that we hadn't technically uh, really seen in the MCU, at least in this way, where it's like, yeah, I have family, but we're not so cool right now at the moment and seeing what, how that can uh, uh, kind of play out. Um, and so I I think that overall the family was kind of underserved. I think Uncle, I think, was it Henry? Is his name? I think Uncle yeah, Henry, mm-hmm. him and, um, uh, Scully uh you know who's out there making and building stuff I think they had the most to do uh and I think uh i I think they did decent unfortunately, I wanted more from Bonnie and from uh the grandmother. I wanted a little bit more from them, I think um in particular, especially Bonnie Bonnie feels like uh I feel like we cheated that a little bit too much. It happens they kind of you know come together in really fast and you can always tell in Bonnie's face like There's some weird stuff going on that Maya's back in town, the stuff we haven't talked about. And we never really still, to me, really get down to the nitty gritty about how that relationship felt. Um, But yeah, man, I I think Uncle Henry, and I think Scully had had something to do and I think they were fine. But again, I, I needed way more from grandma and way more from Bonnie. Uh, but I think as a cast, as, a, as as performances, I think they all did a pretty good job. They all feel really authentic to me, and they and, and they they did they had pretty good like tension, I think between them uh, um, when whenever uh, it, it came to be. Um, and then biscuits, man, I, I I like biscuits. I think I think we'll see him again <laughs> at some point in time. I think he's 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 one of those random cousins. Um, that will pop up to potentially save Maya at some point. But I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, I like the family dynamic. I just wish we had serviced them a little bit more for the story, especially if we're talking about um, this character of Echo and her lineage and what it means to be Choctaw. I need a little bit more from the family dynamic for us to explain exactly uh, uh, what what Maya's going through as a transition into loving family again, you know? I need a little bit more from them
0: yeah you know outside of henry and scully i i I was i was very let down at their usage of of these other characters um again devry jacobs as bonnie she's in reservation dogs and she is tremendous in that show she also just voiced Kahori in the what if show the brand new Mm -hmm, indigenous mm -hmm. character that they introduced and so she's in this this marvel disney fx hulu family you know she's very ingratiated and they just don't do a ton. And, and you want to see a lot of that come to pass. The fact that they haven't spoke with each other, that they've been distant. There's this sort of a strange relationship. And I think by the end of the show, you know, they just they just share an exchange between each other when they're back at the the, the family dinner. But they don't really speak at all about like everything that's taking place and and the resolution to their issues. Mm-hmm. They don't do any of that. And I'm just like, well, this is again, a, th- this, this is one of the problems with having a show that's only going to be five episodes and the episodes themselves are probably going to be on the shorter end like we've traditionally seen. And so that was one of those lingering thematic things that was just disappointing to not see resolved. And also what was kind of strange to me, because a lot of this show is, 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 is sort of communicated through ASL, American Sign Language, a lot of characters in multiple mm-hmm. episodes are just kind of explaining how they feel. They're just kind of giving their thoughts on their yep. emotions and it's like, okay, that's great. I see where you're where you're coming from in your perspective, but like what else? Like, where are we gonna go with that? And they just kind of stop there. Like the grandma might just say how she feels about something, but then we just kind of end that moment and then move on to the next thing. Same thing with Bonnie, same thing with Henry. And it's like, I I don't know if that's really that's really telling me anything. Henry probably had the best moments because I think a lot of a lot of his character and and where he's coming from in his POV is the fact that he probably feels guilty for what happened with Maya's father, you know, the fact that, that his brother was was ultimately killed and he was really involved in this tracksuit mafia situation. And so he he wants to make sure that she doesn't end up down a similar path. And so I think that he had the most to work with in terms of backstory and, and where he's coming from a, a, as a person and his relationship to Maya and even, even Scully to a certain extent, you know, making sure that she is protected and safe as much as possible, making sure that she's able to Mm -hmm. you know, walk her own path and and also understand where she comes from because he reveals some information to her. But beyond that, they just don't do a ton. There just wasn't enough room, really. And I think when you have such a tremendous cast here, because all of these actors are really, really good, like this is a really great cast. Like Graham Greene is in everything all the time, and he's amazing. And I think that when you have these really (laughs) talented people... You have to you have to make sure that you're giving them uh, the the most material to work with. And I think often that this is my 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 general um, my reservation sometimes with Marvel. You know, we'll, we'll hear these breaking news stories about these really talented actors joining the MCU. And now mm-hmm. I'm not really excited about that anymore because I'm like, well, OK, that's great. You can see that this person is amazing at what they do. But how are we going to use them? How are they going to be, exactly. you know, integrated into the story? We we saw we saw what happened with Michaela Cole and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. We saw what happened with Renee mm-hmm. Elise Goldsberry, and She Hulk. We we, we 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 probably would have saw what would have happened with Stephen Young in Thunderbolts, even though he's not going to be in that movie anymore. It's like <laughs> these are great people, <laughs> right. but are we using them properly? Like, are we actually going to have them mm-hmm. mean something if they're not the first name on the call sheet? And I find that that's often not the case, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's more work to do there um any other thoughts about the cast before we move on talk about episode two nah that was it you said it man let's uh okay so let's dive into the second episode um this one i don't know i don't know if a ton happened in episode two from what i remember like it it felt like a very slow episode i think the big thing that happened is like this train this action train sequence you know maya uh, hijacks this cargo train um which is like guarded by Fisk's men but she's basically trying to place a a, a bomb inside one of the cargo crates um and then it eventually arrives to one of F- Wilson Fisk's facilities and it explodes so she kills like a lot of people she's sending a message to Wilson Fisk she does she's here she yep. wants to be the queen pin at this point of the show. She wants to be the person in charge and really take over his empire. How did you feel about this sequence and and, and, and how it, I guess, spoke to her motivations, at least early on? Because it does evolve throughout the show a little bit. But how did you feel about this sequence and how it sort of spoke to her motivations and what she was ultimately going after?
1: So, man, um, Maya, man, she... I, one thing I have to say is she, her motivations were moving way too much for me. <laughs> There's one second where she was like, I want to be the queen pin and maybe not a couple scenes, you know, not too long after, are she talking about doing something else? Or I don't know, man, she, what she's trying to do in the show was always kind of confusing to me where her motivations were, were always kind of confusing to me. Because they weren't always clear, Uh, and and when you think they're clear, they get muddled by something, either something she does or something. Yeah, I don't know. It it, it was really weird, man. And so, like you said, not a lot happens in this episode because the flashback took a a decent amount of time. The train is like a whole twenty minutes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it it, it was, it it was pretty long. Um, And so, I think what was weird about the train for me is having this whole action set piece but you didn't really know what she was doing until you see the repercussions until you see exactly. the bomb yeah. finally reach uh, the warehouse and blow up. And I was like, I don't know. Part of me, part of me wishes. I knew that motivation before, you know, part of me, cause part of me is like, Oh, is she going to go through with it? And then when you see that she finally goes through with it, you're like, Oh wow, this girl is tripping. <laughs> I can't believe she killed all these people. So part of me would have liked uh, life for me to know that that was, uh, that was the case before that so yeah not not much on this episode um again the, it did it did have the flashback with the stickball game I like that stuff but the train stuff I think just would have been different had it been workshopped differently had some things been moved around um and for for me to get to understand what's exactly happening here because it's kind of hard again to watch a whole 20 minute sequence and not really understand why we're there in the first place. Like we're in that moment, we're really biscuits. You know what I'm saying? She literally has, he's literally chasing her to try to figure out what the hell she has going on. We're literally biscuits in that scene. And so I kind of wish it wasn't like that, especially if we're trying to be in somewhat in the psyche of what Maya is doing and kind of know what she's doing. It felt weird to be left in the dark.
0: No, I completely agree. I mean, (laughs) what's crazy is that, I think a train heist, train robbery, whatever you're dealing with, there is so much you can do from a filmmaking Mm -hmm. perspective to make that like the most exciting thing possible. Like, imagine if we did, one, know the motivation of what she was trying to achieve. But secondly, if we actually took time to build up to that moment, what if we saw this being constructed as somewhat of a heist? She has to get a team together. Mm -hmm. She has to go spy on the on the cargo ship to understand the the movement of the train, where it's gonna go, the routes, the timing of the shifts, when there's gonna be the least amount of Fisk's people on board, so she can make the path to this to this mission a little bit easier. Like there's so much you can do to make it really really interesting, like an entire episode's worth of build up to get to this point to make it pay off in this really big epic way, and they don't do any of that. Like they don't do any of those different tactics. I I, I thought about watching this um season five of breaking bad there is a huge train Mm -hmm. robbery that takes place in that season and it's epic it's so great and you spend a lot of episodes leading up to that moment trying to deconstruct how they're going to pull this mission off and with any great heist story any great heist movie Mm -hmm. tv show whatever the case may be something has to go really really wrong in the midst of it all happening there's no way you can just walk out unscathed on the other side That doesn't happen here. I mean, the worst thing that happens is is her her prosthetic leg gets broken. But that's really the worst thing. She achieves her mission. She kills a bunch of people. It's a cool visual. It's shocking because we don't know why she's there to begin with. But I think that there's just such a a, there's so many more interesting ways to go about this that they just don't take. And there's just so much material out there. Like, look at any train movie. Look at the great train robbery. Look at fucking Bridge Over the River Kwai. Like, there's so many great examples of what to pull from. On how to make this like something that really feels as important as it should as as this as this sounding warning shot to Fisk like no I'm here I am here to take over your empire and beyond the big explosion doesn't go to any of those lanes and I, I was just kind of let down by that looking back on it and then by the way the CGI on the train and the fact that so much green screen was utilized did not look great you can clearly tell. They were not on a real train. She's in front of a green screen creating the effect of motion. And I'm sorry, in a, in, in a year where we just got Dead Reckoning Part 1 and we saw them really on top of a train, that's just not quite good enough for me. I kind of want to see if it's not going to be real, then it has to be a little bit more believable if you're going to do it digitally, at least. And they don't mm-hmm. they don't they don't make it look that great either mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, probably all the all the behind the scenes stuff that we know about. Uh, but again, yeah, I, I, after that big event, you know, really the rest of the episode is just kind of conversations, interactions, people talking, you know, Henry learning about this explosion and and how it's going to, I guess, ultimately affect their relationship and also just kind of inform her of her motivations and what she wants. But Maya's very much, you know, turning off everybody around her. She doesn't really want anything to do with anybody um, because she's kind of zoned in and focused on this particular objective of hers, even though it it does feel all over the place. Um, Episode three, you know, I, I think that this is where we we do see some of those like ancestry visions kind of start to affect her in episode 2, but they they start to really allude to it in episode 3 as well. Like Maya is starting to see these visions of her ancestors and 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 I think, you know, how it's potentially going to connect to her and 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 what this all means, but they don't really go they don't really go in depth with it just yet, but um really kind of the big set piece here all takes place within this roller rink. This is a roller rink that Henry owns um and, and and eventually um they're they're betrayed and fisk's you know his men learn of you know where maya is and they all try to come and, and meet up at this roller rink and, and there's a big confrontation and this is kind of where the 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 second big action set piece takes place which is within this roller rink slash arcade situation um and and, and bonnie and maya also come into contact with each other after not speaking for a while bonnie has learned that maya is back and they all of a sudden see each other again for the first time but there's not really time to, to have a conversation they they have to make it mm-hmm. out alive and so how did you think about you know or what did you think about at least you know um the 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 set piece here you know the fact that everything kind of converged on this roller rink uh but then you know what followed was the the, the big action moment where Maya is kind of single-handedly once again taking out so many of of Fisk's men killing them you know very violently uh before ultimately escaping
1: uh it was fine it was fine i think what takes a, a little bit away from what all of this could have been, uh, in some ways, is the villain. Um, is is uh, is Vicky? Is um what's I always forget Fist's main guy's right hand's name. I Couldn't forget his you. name. Um, but uh, but they they just feel so been there, done that to me. So. I lo- so I love the set. I'll say that I, I love the I love the fact that this is set at roller rink. I like that. I think it's you can do some really cool creative things there, which I, I think they do when, when the fight breaks out. I think they do, but I wish the I wish the threat of it all felt different. Um, and again, that comes from I think the nature of the villains that we're getting uh, that the smaller villains that we kind of get in these moments, um, and especially again, the show is somewhat surrounded so much around kingpin part of me is like you got to give me either put kingpin in the scene or give me somebody that feels like a threat <laughs> some something i'm I'm supposed to be afraid of and it, no matter what was really happening in the skate rink i understand the situation was kind of dire people were tied up i never really felt afraid of the people that tied them up i never really felt scared especially with vicky and his other the other two girls that work there you're like I just seen a whole flashback of Maya go toe to toe with Daredevil. I'm supposed to be scared of these people. What, like, where, why would I be afraid of them <laughs> if I watch this girl go crazy? It's just it, yeah, that 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 stuff wasn't really necessarily working out for me completely. Um, but. I actually love Maya in the roller rink. I really love, uh, I really like the fight. It's one of my other favorite fights, I think, to see. It was just like, oh, what does this look like? I think that they made some really cool cinematic choices when it came to the choreography. When it came to the camera work, I was like, okay, yeah. This is this is another cool fight that I don't mind seeing. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's it was like, a, the episode in general was like, okay, this is fine. But it was a little mixed between I've seen that before and I wish the threat was a little larger in this moment.
0: Um, yeah this also just kind of felt like we were meandering around to just get to the next thing it didn't really feel consequential Mm -hmm. to to what was ultimately happening because I think the big moment at the end of this is is finding out yes Wilson Fisk is still alive right but we just had a lot of stuff to to do to get to that point which just didn't feel all that important because I agree you know none of these people actively felt like a threat the fight is the fight it's good there's some really good moments there I especially love the moment I think she like she like suplexes a guy on a pinball machine that was fucking badass i love that. that but was crazy. beyond that yeah this is like those episodes um or that episode that is uh i guess for lack of a better term it is the filler episode of all of these but um mm-hmm. it, it, in a five episode series it feels even strange to say that because you have no room to have a filler episode It does. have so little to do you know um, filler why? yeah like there, there's no reason for that at all but um yeah, not much happens here. I think the big moments are, you know, her coming into into contact with Bonnie again. But they they have to halt that. They have to they have to table that. You know, she tells her like, "Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to deal with this later because there's no no time to do it now." Mm-hmm. But um, eventually it does lead to this uh this this confrontation with Fisk. Her finding out that Fisk is still still alive. Um, she's leaving out of town, but um, she's confronted by him, and that leads us into episode four. And I actually do want to start off with the flashback here, you know, before we talk about the other events. Um, this is where we sort of get away from like the distant past and the flashbacks become a little bit more relevant to the present. And the flashback here is one that they pretty much put in like the entire first trailer for the show. But we see a young Maya in 2008. She's trying to get ice cream. The vendor's being really rude, you know, t- talking to her because he. He either doesn't know that she's deaf or he doesn't care. Either way, he's talking to her really rude, doesn't give her any ice cream. She goes back to the van. She's upset. Fisk sees that, and he goes and fucking pulverizes this ice cream vendor. Um, probably kills him, but that's not even the shocking aspect of it. We've seen Wilson Fisk beat up people all day long. Um, what's a little bit more, I guess, revealing is that a young Maya, who's probably you know five mm-hmm. years old at this point, Comes over and she doesn't have any remorse or fear of what she just saw. You know, you would you would think that this young girl who saw her uncle do this really heinous act would be fearful of that, but she goes over and she kicks the vendor a couple of times for good measure, just to show like, yeah, fuck you, you treated me like shit. I'm gonna get my licks mm-hmm. in as well. um How did you feel about just that scene in general, and also like how that spoke to Mayan? I guess the place that she started at as a, as a as a really young girl and how that ultimately informed who she would grow up to be later in life. Part of me wishes that
1: this scene is what started the series. Like, imagine, like, the show starts and this is the very first thing you see. I think it would have set a crazy tone of what exactly we're dealing with here. Because, of course, we do get glimpses of what the relationship between Maya and Kingpin are in in Hawkeye. And, of course, throughout, you know, whatever is happening in episode one. But this, seeing what it was like in her childhood, seeing where that violence in Maya comes from, I think, would have been a great start to 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 the series, and I think it would have set a kind of again a different tone. That was one of the s- scenes that, because of it, it was gray. They try to make it look a little, uh, you know, undersaturated to show it was a flashback, but it did give a more gritty feel of what that world was supposed to be. You know, what that world was supposed to look like, and I think. Uh, uh, yeah I actually really like that scene because I just think it spoke to again what the show was probably supposed to really be about and it's that weird relationship between Maya and Kingpin and how she is kind of changing as a person as she grows up and learning but Kingpin in some ways is remaining the same guy and so yeah I actually like that scene I wish they I wish they could have again used that scene more as a touch point more of like more as a this is this is where Maya gets it from. This is what the show was going to be like. Um, but yeah, it comes so much later, which okay, again it, it is kind of fine, even though it does come later. But yeah, I just wish it was first because I think it would it would have done something different. But yeah, I like that scene, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially it, it does feel like that's what a lot of the show is about. It's their relationship and the fact that you know, Kingpin, he's not only powerful beyond measure and he has all the resources in the world, but he's a master manipulator as well. And we start to see mm-hmm. that take shape at this really early age for Maya. And and there there are flashbacks in the first episode, but we're we're kind of a little bit further off by that point. And a lot of that is just taking material from Hawkeye. But this is kind of really, I think, the defining moment of their relationship, this this ice cream situation where yep. she shows no remorse. She at a very early age has little mercy for people who who you know have just gone through something and at, at the hands of a guy who was not only you know he was shitty to her absolutely but he you know he he very much met uh a terrible fate at the hands of kingpin and, and we see how those two things sort of speak to each other with these two people and so um yeah it's an interesting choice to place this so late in the in the episode i know it, it connects to the fact that kingpin is back and you know now there's mm-hmm. sort of rekindling a relationship, but. Um, potentially more effective if if presented earlier on and 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 the rest of this episode is mostly a conversation between kingpin and and maya you know ultimately he wants her to come back to new york city he wants her to stand by his side and he promises that if she comes back he will give her his empire which it seems like that's what she wants um and he's also kind of found a new way to communicate with her he uses like some augmented reality technology to, to to utilize a contact lens so that she can understand what he's saying when he speaks because he doesn't know ASL, vice versa. But it's a lot of conversational pieces. Um, it, it does seem for a time that they might start to get back on the same page. But then by the end of the episode, we see that that's not really the case. But um, I do want to talk about Kingpin specifically here. Um, we haven't really talked about him, but beyond these like few flashback moments. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio coming back here. It's... Um, it's one of the great castings that I've seen that I think we've seen in any uh, comic book media. He, he has been just incredible in this role from from day one, yeah. you know, in the Daredevil mm-hmm. series and just what he was able to achieve and the dramatic Believe. levels and the complexity that he's added to the character. He's just done so much work. And I know when Daredevil got canceled, a lot of us were like, it would be a real shame to lose out on on such a talent like he nailed it. He <laughs> no, nailed really, Kingpin. From the get go, you know, mm-hmm. so why why try to start over? And, and luckily, I think that they came to their senses and realized, like, there's nobody else to find. Like, we have our guy. Um, how do you feel about Kingpin being back? I think more of a presence here. We, we talked a lot about Hawkeye when it came out a couple years ago that they didn't really feel like the Kingpin we knew from Marvel Netflix. It felt potentially <laughs> like a different person. I think it's pretty clear now this is the same Kingpin. There's a couple of allusions to earlier, you know, incidents Mm -hmm. from that Netflix show, the way he speaks, his mannerisms, all of those small ticks, I think, kind of speak to the fact that this is the same character. So how do you feel about, you know, this now being a part of the MCU and just what Vincent D'Onofrio, you know, sort of brought to these these final few episodes?
1: Yeah, it it, again, this is why I called it somewhat of a failed experiment but I think they we uh, hopefully they learned a lot from this show um but even episode four I remember opens up with a flashback uh of of him telling Maya like he we he doesn't they don't need the interpreter anymore and the the interpreter goes outside and they murder the ASL interpreter and i was like oh that no this is kingpin like this is that felt like netflix kingpin to me. i mean you can see the blood on the plastic <laughs> uh, the way he chooses food even i was like yeah no that's that's the kingpin i know and so i think i think again marvel is they're slowly learning and maybe figuring out what it means to ingest this character back into their universe and what that can look like um but again just not enough of it um in even uh, the rest of this episode, you even said there was a lot of talking between Kingpin and Maya. And I think there's interesting things there. Uh, you know, I'm you know us, shoot. If it's as long as it's good and it serves as a story, I don't care about an episode <laughs> where there's a lot of talking. But a lot of it del- did feel a little empty, I think emptier than it was supposed to. Um, because I think there's some really cool things that they might be alluding to, but they never really touch on completely. And I think one of them is the uh, You know, you spoke about the the, the contacts and now how he doesn't have to learn ASL anymore. But there is a kind of a cool thing there where all of this time he still hasn't learned ASL, but her family s- still keeps up with ASL because of her and still knows ASL because of her. And that's like I think, again, that's like one of those like read between the line things. But also, I don't know, kind of kind of bring that idea home a little bit of why Maya is potentially choosing family over what kingpin she has known kingpin to be especially if a couple episodes ago she's blowing up people <laughs> and it's like you what are you a episode and a half removed from blowing up people now you don't want nothing to do with kingpin who led you to that violence is just i don't know it all kind of happens very suddenly and, and not not i don't know i feel like there wasn't enough like character moments in kingpin for her to be like okay i'm not going to be like this per se um it, it all we're hmm. all just kind of I don't know. It all just happens really fast, maybe, in how she changes her mind and how she is moving around Kingpin. But I think his presence, uh, I I can feel his presence, and I I think I I, I like what Vincent Yafra had to do here. And I like, um, again, almost any time he was on screen, he felt like the Kingpin that we knew. So I think he did a tremendous job. And, of course, nothing that happened in the show was really his fault. But, again, I can see the sliver of of Marvel kind of figuring out where 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 that tone comes from when Kingpin is on screen they're slowly starting to figure out it, it they didn't really get it right I don't think but I, th- I think there's you, you can see the the glimpses of brilliance for sure
0: you you really just got to let Vincent D'Onofrio cook in this moment because he, he he knows all of this history and this knowledge for the character he built it for years and years you just got to let him do his mm-hmm. thing I think in situations like this and there were there were flashes flashes of that brilliance he's a you know incredible actor has been doing it for so damn long and um, he is he now found I think a role that he can become synonymous with you know and still continue mm-hmm. to show different shades and complexities and nuances to, to what make King, what makes Kingpin Kingpin because um in a lot of other media in a lot of other representations Kingpin is just like a mob boss just a gangster you know which is which is cool that's great that's a great aspect about him and he's obviously a physical intimidating presence but what can we do to inject him with pathos and things that have affected him from early childhood and that's what the Netflix show did and they allude to that here you know that whole final scene really between those two Maya goes to kill Kingpin And he reveals essentially to her that he he murdered his father. You know, this cycle of violence um, started at a very, very early age. It really started before him because his father was abusive towards his mother, used a hammer to kill his father. Again, this is directly pulled from the Marvel Netflix show. That's how he killed his father Mm -hmm. in that series. And then he pulls out the very hammer that he did it with. He's still holding on to the evidence Um, that frightens Maya. And I think that that pushes her away from him. But to your point about just the the back and forth and the uncertainty, you know, from one moment she wants his empire, she wants to kind of be the the heir to the Fisk Empire, and then for a moment it feels like she might take his side, and then she betrays him again. Um, and then you know by the end of the the show in general, when we get to episode five, she's trying to heal him, she's trying to help him, and 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 overcome those demons from 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 an early age. And it's just like, ma'am, you know what's going on here? And and maybe 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 what they're trying to do is speak to the <laughs> fact that familial relationships can be so complex the fact that you can love and hate somebody and go back and forth all Mm -hmm. the time i think that there's validity to that of course you know and uh you know family family will often give you the most Mm -hmm. the most grief the most headaches the most heartbreak and and you have to find a way back to them um but it it still felt like lost opportunities in the midst of their relationship and what they could have done there um, but you know, that that is not to the fault of the actors. They both were doing tremendous. I think the some of my favorite scenes is just them them interacting with each other and them conversing with each other and and, and those interactions. I just think yeah. that um we don't really you know what now that I think about it, I think I think one of the things is is that we have to examine like and, and question whether or not Kingpin was really needed in the show to begin with. Like, did this really need to be mm-hmm, a Kingpin true. and Maya story? Because, you know, we we kinda dealt with that in Hawkeye to a certain extent, and she 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 shot him mm-hmm. and theoretically we thought killed him and and now she has to go through all of that again and and it's just you know a question as to whether or not we really really needed that and ultimately like by the end of this are we Mm -hmm. supposed to feel that he's redeemed or are we supposed to feel that he's like in a better place because he's like confronted his past and 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 maybe he's setting out to do something greater than himself i don't i don't know they don't really give us give us any clear direction as to how we're supposed to feel about him or her at, at, at that particular stance but um as we get to right. episode five, um, most of this episode takes place at a, at a local festival. Um, this is, I think, the equivalent of what we've seen with a lot of Marvel TV shows. Um, often the final episode is reserved for a bigger sort of action set piece um, that brings all the characters together in one location and, and and somehow is able to try to wrap up all of the disparate storylines um and this one I, I think for me is really kind of where i just knew that the show fell off of a cliff uh for the most part because <laughs> there was almost nothing about this this sequence that i liked um i thought placing it at a, fe- at a placing the, the the whole sequence at a festival was a weird choice um the way that it was executed mm-hmm. just felt weird to me there was nothing memorable about the action and then just the whole interaction between maya and kingpin and the, and the flashback her her getting I guess powers now I guess she's super powered which is also a choice I mean just so many things that I was just very very confounded by uh what did you think yeah. of you know just about the final episode this final showdown and how they uh sort of closed out this big conflict at the show
1: so I I kind of want to speak about um the suit that they end up giving Maya in this episode and, and about her power set too so I think Marvel kind of ran into a problem when it came to Echo uh, if you remember a while back th- some article came out or something and Marvel was like yeah Echo in the comics her powers are kind of whack <laughs> I don't know if you remember that oh but yeah the, yeah that mm-hmm. that whole thing happened her powers are pretty much to copy the fighting style of the person she's fighting right she's kind of like a taskmaster in that way but now before all of this happens they already have a woman taskmaster who already does exactly that so now you want to bring in echo what exactly are we supposed to do (laughs) other than kind of change her power set and i'm not i'm not mad you change you know somebody's power set if you make it make sense uh, i mean kamala khan is way different i mean she's similar but kamala khan is way different now in the mcu than what she is known to be in the comics as well and so it's like okay you can change your powers I get it but make it make sense and I think Echo as I like the idea that her ancestry is echoing through her that we find out right I mean it's kind of cheesy but also like I get it it, it's kind of cool at the same time it's a little bit of both it makes sense that's fine but to then say she has healing powers is crazy to me I like I don't know really
0: <laughs> fucking know gl- glowy how hands that can all of a sudden just heal the world you telling
1: me the same girl two episodes ago that put a bomb <laughs> that put a bomb in a warehouse killed the, whoever was the hell was in the warehouse only the two people walking out the goddamn warehouse survived it's probably now peasants. has healing powers just... it is it is just like that's jarring to me like it made, I just wish it was something else. Like, I don't mind them giving her powers, but healing powers is kind of crazy. Like, I just didn't see that coming. Like, I, part of me is like, oh, your mom's a healer. In fact, when her grandma said that, oh, your mom's a healer. I'm like, oh, what if Echo is just another thing? You know what I mean? Like, maybe... The lineage is different. Maybe it's like Avatar, where <laughs> all the Avatars are a little bit different in whatever <laughs> kind of way. But they didn't do that. They gave her the same healing powers. I thought that was crazy. Okay, that's one thing. Another thing is, as much as her costume and her garb, her new garb that her grandmother made, is supposed to be this representative thing of indigenous and Choctaw people. I don't like it. I'm sorry. I just don't like, like, I, I think I was looking for something more to be honest, maybe a little bit more comic booky. They do like this really, uh, uh, it's a bunch of leather. It's a lot of different colors. It does feel representative of indigenous people. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't feel like a superhero costume to me. I don't feel like, it, it's not an exciting suit up thing that I was excited to see. Cause even in the comics, her, she got like some black going on, but it's really, it's sleek. And it, it's a little bit more dumbed down. And I think they could have taken that and I don't know. If you can you can you can add some echo to it, add a little bit of a Choctaw people to the garb, but yeah, I just did not feel it. And I was, I and and, and you could see the dress up coming for a while because you seen her grandma kind of working on it. It was like, okay, that's gonna be her new thing, and then it's revealed, and it was just underwhelming. It was it was a very underwhelming get up, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah.
0: Can I speak to that? Yeah, before we keep going, I, I think um, I, it's, it's it's something really it's something really frustrating about like seeing all of this like happen in real time where we do get Mm -hmm. the news in the article where it's like yeah we're not really fans of echo's powers and so we're going to change them and give him give her some some other abilities or we see the same thing happen with with uh, miss marvel and we see how that's all brought to life on the big Mm -hmm. screen it's something really frustrating about this just because it's like all right I think I think based in based in the decision in which it was made kind of makes sense if you want to do something different or if you don't want somebody to look too similar to, to to another hero that's gonna have that power. But then when you see the actual like idea brought to life, that's where it's like, mm-hmm. so this is what y'all disregarded all of that for. This is like why we we decided to go this direction mm. because. Her powers from the comics aren't good enough or they're not cool enough on the on the on the I guess the small screen for TV, but we're going to give her something that feels the most generic and formulaic of anything. Her hands glow. We've seen fucking glowy hands in the MCU Ooh. for years, like for so long. What does that <laughs> tell me? What does that do? And then the fact that they are healing powers um why? Why well, just don't what, what 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 does she need that for? Like if this is supposed to be grounded, street-level, realistic, gritty. How the fuck is this going to work alongside anything else? Like, you're telling me that she can do this stuff now that feels supernatural, and now all of a sudden I'm supposed to believe that this is one of the grounded, gritty characters that 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 should exist in its own separate sort of umbrella in the MCU? Like, we should have this stuff not even really touch the larger cosmic stuff. I'd be totally okay with that. Mm -hmm. But now because we're adding all this other other shit to i don't really even know what the motivation i don't know if it's to sell toys i don't know if it's for cars i don't know why they're doing it but it just doesn't it just doesn't work and it's not great and it's super generic and just super fucking basic of them to to go this route like this is just some really really odd stuff to do for a hero who in my personal opinion her powers are good enough and i think that they are cool enough The problem is what y'all did with Taskmaster. You you decided to gender swap the character for whatever reason. Don't get that. Like, why? Just make a make a different female version of somebody else. I don't know. Create a new character. Do something else more interesting. Do what you did in What If. Create an entirely new character, Mm -hmm. Kahori. Like that is a good idea. Like just go that route. But this shit that we're doing here, it's it feels pandering. It feels like it is pandering to, to to certain demographics and. It's not. It's not coming from a place that feels genuine or authentic. Because now I'm just looking at this character Maya, and I'm like, I don't know what 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 part of the, the universe she's supposed to exist in now. Like, I don't know where she where she works. It's yeah. almost like what we saw with Gaia in Secret Invasion, which was just you know we saw how that went. So,
1: man, really though, and now it's like, it's, I feel like they took away so much from the character by giving her these powers. Man, it sounds exactly you gave, you gave her something yes. and took away more yeah it's because now oh my god we're supposed to be a i don't know it's so weird to place because she's supposed to be and she went from an anti-hero i think it's just you can't go opposite ends of the spectrum like that immediately either (laughs) it's like you killed some people now you're a healer that is crazy to me um not only that but now let's say let's say she appears in daredevil right let's say oh she's in daredevil born again is she gonna pull up and just start healing people you know what I'm saying? Like that is crazy to me. Like I never thought this girl, this this girl who used to work under Kingpin was Kingpin's niece is now out here with glowy hands. It's just crazy, and that's so, yeah, and that's, that's a
0: cop out too. Because again, to go, I, I you know, we're gonna compare. Because fuck it at this point. But Daredevil is a show on Netflix. One of the things that draws you in so much is seeing how much of a physical toll. Matt Murdock being Daredevil takes on mm-hmm. his body. Like literally every episode Charlie Cox is taking his shirt off not <laughs> to just show off his incredible physique and how much shape he had to get into, but look at those scars, my nigga. Look at all of the stitching he has to do. He has to repair himself yeah. constantly. It's not mm-hmm. it's not any different than, you know, Bruce Wayne. Like these are real people who don't have superpowers. Like Daredevil's superpower mm-hmm. is not really a superpower. It's just his ability to now have enhanced um, enhanced other things about himself because he doesn't have vision. You know, his other senses are now heightened, and, yep. and that's a great, a great leverage and advantage to him. But it would be the equivalent of a, of giving him powers, like putting some fucking glowing, some some glowing inside of Daredevil, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, now my guy has something supernatural going on about him. That doesn't make him special at all. It makes him just like everybody else. Right. And, and you know, to exactly exa- exactly what you said, everything that makes Echo special, they've now just taken that away from her because she can't heal. She can do something that. It's not real. It's not based in reality. It's based in fantasy. And that's not cool. That's not cool for this character. That leave that for some other people. I just yeah. don't I don't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but real, you know, this whole scene again, we do see like the manifest manifestation of like all of her all of her lineage, all of her bloodline, like come come, you know, sort of snap into focus. We see the different generations sort of stand behind her as as she confronts Fisk. Uh, we we get to see again another flashback of, of Fisk when he's younger, and we see you know, or we, we at least hear, you know, the abuse that, that his father um is 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 you know imparting on his mother at that point. It's really, it's really disturbing and troubling, but it's it's a place for him to confront those those previous traumatic incidents and and then he just kind of runs away. He just like leaves out of nowhere. And um, I don't know how you feel about this, but it, it so far in the in the few appearances that we've seen Kingpin in the MCU, but also if we go back to like Netflix and Daredevil, um, Mm -hmm. my guy loses a lot like he he's constantly losing he he's not (laughs) not really won anything yet um daredevil beat him Mm -hmm. twice in the netflix show which is like okay um but then like in hawkeye he gets handled almost easily and then here he just kind of scurries away and just bounces (laughs) he just dips and and vanishes um and for a guy who apparently is supposed to be the street level version of thanos I don't know if he quite feels that way uh, so far at this point. Yeah. How, how did you feel about just the way that they just like exited him, exited him out the show so quickly?
1: It was weird. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I was laughing a lot to you. Cause I was like, did he just go get in the car? <laughs> like <laughs> he was like, what did you do to me? And then the next cut to him the boy was like driving off in the car, bro. I, thought, I was laughing. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but I think, I think my, again I'm just, you just got to be super hopeful about this stuff but I think all the mayoral stuff you know that we'll talk about in a sec i'm I'm hoping that leads towards that's the win you know what I mean like maybe those are the wins we're going towards because you were I thought about the same thing I'm like kingpin has been catching l's and l's and l's and l's man we actually only see him win if it's like a flashback we'll see him win or we we may see him kind of use his power which makes it seem like he's winning and then he'll lose it he'll lose whatever power dynamic he was going after it's just i don't know man he he does lose a lot and i think i'm I'm hoping they can eventually rectify that and show us why kingpin is supposed to be that street level thanos i'm really hoping this is like the beginning of that you know uh the end of this is the beginning of that so i think we'll have to see but yeah i, I ain't gonna lie i was laughing i could not believe that boy would go get in the car after that i was like damn that's it and I think what also makes that what also makes that so frustrating is that's another thing that kind of went unanswered is he's even like, What did you do to me? You know, Maya's sitting there in his mind, and I'm like, What is going on? I have no idea. Cause even as he's saying, What did you do to me, did he was she was she healing his memories? Like, I don't know what was happening. It's very un, it's not it's uncomprehensible what was happening in that situation. And so I didn't know if I was supposed to feel like he was, like she was healing him for good. Like he was turning into a good guy. If he was, I really don't know. And so, yeah, that whole scene was very confusing for me, but I I guess it's a loss for him. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. And if, or, or I think what would make this whole thing kind of cool is if she fucked him up even more. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, maybe Echo doing whatever she did just fucked him up even more maybe that's the kingpin we're about to get uh maybe she altered him a little bit so those again those are my hopes because a lot of a lot of stuff that's all you can do is hope (laughs) with what marvel is doing right now but i think uh yeah i I think it's time for him to start winning some stuff
0: and hopefully this is hopefully this is it 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 was the most rushed bullshit ever i was just so like what it almost felt like the damn like crew just like packed up to sit in there we're like all right guys that's the end of the day we're, we're leaving we're out now That that's it and he just bounced along with them, and that was that was the end of the show where we're gone now um it was it was just all so sudden and just like out of nowhere and it, it was it was no resolution mm-hmm. i say this a lot with their television shows but they don't have epilogues like they don't have true epilogues where you wrap up the main conflict you do what you need to do to end that and then you have a post period of scenes or sequences that just show that you know where all of the characters are at and and and, and they kind of had that here but they just put everybody in the same scene i don't know maybe to save money and time resources whatever it was probably probably a reshoot they're like we have to like end this awesome way and and maya just like leaves town but before she leaves town she stops at the family the family dinner exchanges a smile with Bonnie. and then that's it that's that that's the end of the show and it really leaves a lot of those questions on the table unanswered. Um, doesn't really provide us any significant direction, I think, for what what's going to come next for Maya specifically. Um, really, the, the the direction is provided, you know, primarily for Kingpin. Um, there is a mid credit scene here where we see him on his plane, presumably heading back to New York City. And he's watching a news story about um, the upcoming mayoral elections in New York and just about the candidates and how there's not really a candidate that that that, that's sticking out. Um, And a lot of the newscasters are describing the fact that New York needs somebody who's willing to get their hands dirty. They need somebody who comes from outside the establishment, somebody willing to upset the order and, and make a change and and comes from scrappy backgrounds. All of these things, obviously, they 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 resonate with Kingpin. Um, he he represents a character that that is truly rags to riches. Um, even though it's you know primary primarily illegal shit that he's done, but uh, he comes from a, a very <laughs> tough background. He comes from a broken household who became a self-made man. Um, and and it appears yep. to be you know that this is setting up Daredevil: Born Again and what that show was going to be, and the fact that Kingpin will certainly have a major presence in that show and be in opposition once again to Matt Murdock, but. Taking it a step further than what we saw in the Daredevil series, lean more into the political side of things and lean more into the fact that maybe Kingpin is going after becoming mayor of New York and winning that election and really ruling the city with an iron fist. No pun intended, believe me, but he's going to come into his own in that show and and, and and be the one running New York City um, and and kind of be at the head of the table and, and really have all the power. So how did you feel about, you know, what this set up and, and what that might mean for Daredevil Born Again? Did you did, did it at least get you excited, you know, just watching that scene to say, like, OK, this is something that I that I want to see take shape when when Born Again rolls around?
1: Oh, absolutely, because um, I. We need Kingpin to be just that. Um, A a kingpin. And putting him in a position of, you know, in a mayoral campaign, I think, is fire. Um, Not only that, I think... If if you get there and let's say he's running against somebody, that's also interesting. <laughs> I think it, it can make for some really cool storytelling, especially weaving in all the things that 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 Daredevil and Foggy now and uh uh Deborah Ann Wall's character. I was on the wall, I Karen. But uh Karen. I, I think they, I think they can do some stuff there. So it actually did get me excited. I thought it was a good way to leave off the character because it gave us the potential that Kingpin can, again can can somewhat uh, begin to own um, um, the, the parts of New York that he wants to own and 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 become a figurehead. And I think, I mean, that's really interesting in superherodom. Period. Right now, as we see what's happening with Homelander, it kind of meets kind of that. Political, you know, uh, uh, that political commentary on our country as it is today. So I think there's a lot of good opportunities they have with Kingpin, and I'm, I'm hoping they just treat it right, man. But I think the potential is definitely there.
0: Um, th- this is major, really, and, and 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 showcases really what 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 opportunity I think Marvel Studios has in front of them. It, it, this could be something super interesting because one of my big questions going into Daredevil: Born Again was uh, one. I mean, the fact that it's called Born Again is interesting because That story was largely told in Daredevil Season 3. Daredevil Season 3 kind of largely adapts the Born Again storyline. And so I was wondering, like, okay, well... Are they are they gonna just do their own version of the of, of, of that of that particular comic run? Is it just like a, a clever play on words because you know Daredevil's coming back? It, it's it's likely both of those things, right? But now this is the chance to do something different that has not been done before in any medium, uh, for for live action specifically. Obviously, Kingpin becoming mayor that's been done in the comics. That's a major storyline, and and what that means really for the New York heroes and the street level heroes is super super enticing and very exciting because. If this is meant to be like a, a a massive repercussion, then I would hope at least that we can see how this not only affects Daredevil, but also like maybe Spider-Man. Like we we have yet to cross that bridge and see like yep, exactly one Spider-Man truly. I think be the Spider-Man that we know in the comics. Really be that that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's been dealing with so many cosmic, multi-dimensional, multiversal things within these first few movies in the MCU. But now that we know. Peter Parker as a character in the MCU moving forward feels like it's going to be more grounded it feels like it's going to be very much more based in New York can we see those things work together especially since Matt Murdock appeared in Spider-Man No Way Home like they know each other now can we see that come to pass can we Mm -hmm. see that take shape in the future Um, and then of course Daredevil Punisher we know that Jon Bernthal is coming back to play Punisher in the Daredevil series and so What does that mean? Will we see the other heroes like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage come back? I think that there's just so much they can do here with all of these street-level New York-based heroes if Kingpin does indeed become mayor, which he has to, because why introduce the story if you're not going to just make a mayor? So Mm -hmm. um, I'm really, really excited about this. I think that they can do so much. This Again, it feels like it can be almost its own corner, separated from everything else. Like We don't have Mm -hmm. to do any multiverse shit at all with these characters like let this be this own thing because we know New York is just like so pivotal it's the centerpiece of all Marvel stories there there's just a, a huge huge opportunity here and just I'm, I'm hoping that that show can really bring that to life and maybe this kind of maybe this kind of illuminates why that might be 18 episodes like that that's a huge show you know to have 18 episodes for Marvel um it's likely going to be split into two seasons I can't see them rolling that out all at once it'll probably be Probably be two nine episode seasons if I had to guess, but um, it's great. It's really exciting and uh, a, a great opportunity for for Vincent D'Onofrio to really flex some more some more muscle as the, as this character. Um, but that kind of that kind of brings us to the end of the show. Um, let's do rankings first, and then I do kind of want to get into to somewhat of a discussion about wh- what Marvel can learn about this show and how they can apply it to future shows, whether it's Spotlight, TVMA. Um, but before we do that. I, where would the show fall for you? This is the tenth show um, that they've done. That includes "What If" at this point, mm-hmm. but um, you can also, if you want to take "What If" out of it because it's animated and just compared to the live action, that's fine as well. But where would the show fall in line compared to the other shows that we've gotten, like She-Hulk or Secret Invasion or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Where do you have, where, where would you have it ranked at at this point?
1: Man, I, I, it's it, it's still hard to place for me, kind of right now um but at the moment i have it right underneath falcon and the winter soldier um and better than secret invasion for sure <laughs> but uh but definitely uh, uh just right under falcon and the winter soldier in fact at first i had it right under hawkeye um and on top of falcon and winter soldier but i don't know the more i think about it i'm not sure what how i feel about it um it, it really it, it that lack of an extra episode a lot of those weird choices man just didn't feel i don't know they didn't they didn't come to the conclusion i needed them to come to i think um and so yeah that's kind of it falls with me right now i think it's the uh if, if you're going off straight live action it is my eighth out of ninth show um again which sounds pretty low it sounds yeah it just sounds it sounds pretty low um i think this mcu show is good to note for me is that a lot of them are technically mid and not completely all the way trash bad but that is how i absolutely feel about secret invasion <laughs> so i have this right above that i don't think this show was completely trash bad uh, but it is above secret Invasion. so that's where i stand
0: yeah it's second to last for me as well um eight out of nine i just it's rough it's a rough show it's it's not a show that i envision i'll i'll return to a ton um and this is coming from somebody who re-watches these particular you know properties a lot i i, I enjoy spending time with them but when it comes to television, I think that the, the the reality is is that this is we're still in the era of the old TV model from Marvel Studios. Like we've yet to see the new television model that they're that they're looking to adapt with showrunners and and and, mm-hmm. and and really you know making these television shows as opposed to mini movies. Because when you even look at the time of this show, it's like three and a half hours. It's the same length as Killers of the Flower Moon. Um and and you can just see like the how how different how different those two things are especially if they're 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 both dealing with indigenous people I mean it can be more night and day than that but That's um pretty. yeah it's just not it's not great it's not great uh there were some things I liked about it there were some wins you know from the choreography to some of the ancestral stuff and you know the the fact that it is doing mm-hmm. a lot for representation but the story and just the character beats just didn't really work for me so it's second to last right now but um beyond that I do just want to briefly kind of talk about you know, what Marvel can maybe learn from this being their first spotlight series and from this being their first TVMA series um, and just kind of go through some of the some of the things that that work and and then maybe some of the things that still need improvement as we do move forward and we see more of these shows come about. Um, allegedly, the Wonder Man show that they're working on with Yaya Abdul-Mateen is going to be the second spotlight series. Um, I've read that that is supposed to be somewhat of a meta contextual type of show that examines like superheroes and Hollywood and just like what we've been dealing with maybe maybe akin to the boys I'm not sure if it's going to go after after the graphic tone of the boys but maybe the spirit of that how it's really examining superheroes in in, in, in a present day um, society but we do know about Daredevil born again that'll be another TVMA show I'm pretty sure Um, even Deadpool as a movie is going to be rated R. So Marvel is getting into more mature projects, Mm -hmm. and they're also still playing with these different formats as well, whether it's special presentations, which may or may not still be a thing, not sure. Spotlight shows, which are gonna be sort of their separate corner um at this point in time. So from a from a from a from a television format perspective, from a miniseries format perspective. Um, what, what, what would you say you feel like are things that work or maybe don't work with this, with this particular experiment? Because so far, a lot of their shows have mostly been mini series, technically. The only ones that have gotten multiple seasons mm-hmm. have been low key and what if. So far, they're telling these one off stories and, and kind of going from there. Do you think that that's working for them? Do we need to get into more serialized multi season stories moving forward? What, what, what say you about just sort of that choice from a creative perspective? Uh,
1: man, so I think as a TV show, as as that experiment continues to unfold, I mean, I think it's very obvious that a lot of us still feel very underwhelmed. But what Marvel is doing on that front, there is simply not enough there in almost all every single show we're watching. Even us, as we just talked about Echo, there's an episode that feels like a filler. There, you have five episodes. Why does this feel like? a filler and because that feels like that part of me is starting to think like do we want spotlight shows or maybe even make sure we start considering spotlight movies you know it should is that special presentation is that the same thing because part of me does feel like if you shave some of that stuff off of this it might not have been so bad or of course some of the weird choices they make too i think with uh, everything we talked about but if you shave some of that stuff off, you, like you said, same length as Killers of Flower Moon, make this thing an hour 45, could they have made this a decent story to tell? And I think that could be an experiment in itself. And I'm wondering, I, I, I'm, I'm curious if they if that's something they need to continue to experiment with or if that's something they could have learned from all of this is really a lot of it is just the timing of things. Five episodes already sounded weird. You talked about the top of the episode. It was eight at one point. Then they talked about six and ended up being five. And I'm like, well, where's all the content? <laughs> and part of me thinks they wanted to, of course, they, they they did all five episodes at once, not only for all the obvious reasons, but to just get this out because they're like, okay, this is our old way of thinking about TV shows and we've already done it. Let's just get it out the window. hopefully- everything that comes after this is the new showrunner, you know, uh, uh, is, is, is the new showrunner kind of, uh, formula of things. And so I, I think, man, I, I, I think it's still not working. I think there is something there. I think limited series can be a thing for them, but either every time we get here, there's always too much that we can't, there's not enough time to talk about it, or there's too much time to talk about it. They have yet, to find a medium ground, really, unless again, we're talking about a, a WandaVision or a Loki, the one of those shows that do feel better. Unless you're talking about those shows, to where I feel like they're, they've are they come to a conclusion that feels good for them. And so again, all I know is overall, right? What they're doing right now is not working. And so maybe they do find something that works for them, but this, 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 this limited series, one off thing just isn't working for them. At the moment um and again it it might not even be necessarily all in the 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 what's um the ins and outs of things it might not be just the amount of episodes in time there might be some other problems that's happening in here that's making it like this and so it's just something they need to figure out but i i to be honest i still can't put my finger on it
0: yeah i I mean i i have no problem with Mini series, limited series I love them I think that there's obviously excellent ones out there Um, so far that's mostly what they've leaned into with their shows and I think the issue is that we don't always have a clear direction as to whether or not that's the case like we just don't even know sometimes if this is constructed as a limited series or if this is intending to launch something that'll be a little bit more long form long running over over multiple seasons or multiple years you know we talked a lot about Loki and how they knew from the onset that was going to be a two season show and they constructed it that way and we left off with season one knowing that season two was coming hell you even go over to the mm-hmm. other side of the company with Lucasfilm Andor constructed the same way they knew that they wanted to do 24 episodes of Andor, split it over two seasons that were going to be split by a couple of years of production and, and tell that story in two two separate chapters and I think that that just makes a world of difference in how we perceive a show, and how we react to it, and how we think about it, and just you know the opportunities mm-hmm. that exist for how you can tell that story over over a little bit more time. And you know, with Echo, if it was always meant to be a one off, fine. But in that case, then yeah, we we kind of need to see everything that you have at your disposal to make this like worth it for however many episodes is going to be in the five that they put out. It's just like. There's clearly more here that got cut out that you all you know mm-hmm. felt that just, I guess, wasn't presentable or it wasn't coherent enough. I don't know what the reasons are, but for whatever reason, we have not seen it. And and that's a missed opportunity because there is more there that, that should have been seen and should have been done from a development and character and narrative perspective. But we just don't get any of that. Um, and so there's there's a lot to, to still figure out from that perspective. I've been a champion saying that Marvel needs a tentpole show that we know is going to come back. For multiple seasons they need that Mm -hmm. they need a show that we can rely upon and say like we know we're going to get at least three four or five seasons of this show of this property I think I think that that's that's essential and key like why not have something like that that is going to exist in the television space for multiple years and so we can develop a relationship with every other network does it every other streaming service does it like we know that shit from the get-go shows get renewed and canceled all the time we know that stuff immediately we ask those questions immediately is this going to get renewed is this going to come back and we can't ever do that because we just don't know they don't tell us these things because they are so secretive about everything um the other thing i do want to ask about though is the exploration of just like other places and other cities and other worlds you know just said New York has been the epicenter for Marvel in comics and, of course, now in live action, really in all media. But because there are so many characters, because we're going to so many different places, a great opportunity is is there really with them to, to showcase other places and other, other cities and other societies, other mm-hmm. things that we just haven't completely tapped into. And they've done a, a pretty good job at that. I mean, there's so many new locations and new worlds and all of this stuff, but Tomahaw is a place in Oklahoma This was super different for Echo because, I mean, it's a small town, a very, very small community- All the people in her family and in in Echo's orbit work within the city. Like her grandmother is the mail person. Mm -hmm. Bonnie worked as as a a paramedic officer for the fire department. Like these are people that know they they know everybody that they work with. And and Tomahawk is a real place, also in Oklahoma. And Mm -hmm. one thing that I did love about this show that I do want to give it credit for is the fact that they could go to Oklahoma and film in real locations. Like we're not on sound stages. It's not. Yeah. not a ton of green screen besides the train scene but a lot of this was like really shot there you know there was even mm-hmm. like the uh the roxon gas station which is like yep. a cool nod and maybe they could do something with and and there could be mm-hmm. bigger implications um how did you feel about you know exploring a new corner and and what that can maybe mean for other shows in the future i mean another place we we haven't spent a ton of time in we saw it briefly in falcon and the winter soldier was Madripoor. There's there's so much you can do in a place like that, right? Or even like other locations in Marvel mythology, other cities and how they can sort of inform the types of stories that we tell to get us, you know, sort of away from New York for a while and do something a little bit different. How did you feel about what they did with Echo and what that can mean for for future stories?
1: Yeah, uh it could mean a lot, man. Uh, Cuz like you said, the that, that really is that has been the New York has been the center of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and of course in comics for so long, but there are other parts of the country that need to be used i think what one thing that fox did really well with x-men in general was like putting them in different locations x-men was all over the place they were never just in one spot and i think shows like this that we do get an opportunity to potentially again get to see a lot of those other places it's something i think they did well even falcon and the winter soldier it was like we weren't in one singular location we did see louisiana we did see madripoor you know what i'm saying there was other places for us to get to. And so um, I like that Echo was able to go into, you know, this this small town in, in, in Oklahoma and show us what, what that might look like. Um, because it's not, it's, it's, it's not just representation in characters, it's representation in location as well. And I think, and I'm hoping a lot of that will happen more often. Um, because not every character is from New York, not every character operates necessarily in New York um and i I think it's okay for a lot of our characters to meet there but all of our characters don't have to necessarily stay there or be there and so it was a i I was refreshed to know that a lot of this was going to be in oklahoma uh it did surprise me a little bit i just didn't know i don't know i just i just didn't know it was going to take place in oklahoma but i was like okay cool we're not going to be necessarily in the streets of new york and that was a that was a a pleasant surprise so yeah i'm really just hoping we get into that more often um I'm, i'm pretty confident again that when A lot of other projects come out. We won't necessarily spend uh, uh, too much time in New York uh, in terms of, you know, just different characters. But I was pretty happy about what they did here with the location.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, New York is great. It's great. We live here. It's great. But we don't always have to just be here. We can go other places, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm glad that we got to see just a different corner and do something totally different a small town that's just not really a reality that we face with the MCU at at most points in time you know we we're we're often in these big urban metropolitan centers you know because yeah. um, it, it, it kind of necessitates that these big grand stories you know on this type of scale these are often like world events you know where we see how they're affecting major cities but um, whether they're creating a location a completely fictional place like a like a Sokovia or they're pulling from the comics like Madripoor or using a real life city like We've seen them go to London a lot, or, or be in New York, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think going to these different places is, is really cool. And I'm just I'm like really really ready for this. I thought about this the other day. I'm really really ready for West Coast Avengers. Like I'm I'm kind of yeah. there to like see that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's like one of the best things about the Avengers game is the fact that so much of it is West Coast based. Like we're in San Francisco. That's true. West Coast Avengers yeah. is like a real thing. We go to the Grand Canyon, like. That is so much untapped potential that could be great, you know, and, and Ant-Man can be a big factor there. Maybe Incredible Hulk and She-Hulk because she is in L.A. That can be a big thing. Like mm-hmm. the West Coast is just like largely been underutilized outside of Iron Man and Ant-Man in the MCU. And so um, I'm hoping yeah. that we can also spend a good amount of time there. The last big thing that I want to explore before we wrap up in, in terms of what they can learn from this spotlight show and maybe some improvements they can make. Um, it's kind of circling back to this, 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 this more mature era that I think we're entering in, um, whether it's TVMA, whether it's rated R, uh, what we saw here and what we've already talked about is that, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't totally feel like TVMA, you know, it's, it's a couple of violent action scenes, some drops of blood like, yeah, that's going to get you a mature rating, but it doesn't, does it inherently live that way. Does it, does it, does it actually feel like a more mature story? Uh, I think the answer is, is unequivocally no, but that doesn't mean that the future cannot cannot be that, you know, and so um, yeah. what what say you about what they can do, whether it's examining, you know, more criminal underworld types of stories with a kingpin, whether it's examining things that, I don't know, might not be as uh, family friendly to the Disney brand as as, as as traditionally, you know, we might associate with them. Like, I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever, you know, tap into drugs or prostitution or what i don't know you know i'm mm-hmm. I'm just throwing stuff out there but th- that that does warrant more mature types of storytelling um and and they don't necessarily even have to go to those extreme levels you know there's there's a lot of layers in which you can explore this type of world um from the language to the to the thematic subjects but uh what say you just about what they could probably learn from this show and how they can hopefully apply it to future projects down the line
1: yeah again i think this show has random pockets of oh this is what a TVMA marvel could look like uh again i don't think the show captured that essence completely i think they left it in fact largely off the table but you said it in your non-spoiler review where you said you were saying how there there is grittiness in 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 those daredevil in in daredevil and luke cage and jessica jones but it's not in just like we're out here dropping f-bombs and it's also to be honest not even completely in oh, there's red blood now either. It's like harrowing environment. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like trauma. It's like yeah. the real, true, dark things that can make some of these things TVMA. It's the subject matter that makes these things TVMA. And I'm not sure, and I'm and I'm just hoping, again, this, people are, are talking about it in the ways in which we are to where they can understand, like, you got to do more than just, you know what I'm saying? You have to paint a picture that's dark. You have to paint a picture that's gritty. You can't just have those small little glimpses of what that is. We have to feel that through the character. Um, and, and, and I think, uh, again, we get glimpses of that in this show, but I'm hope, hopefully they're like, okay, now we can do that. We can do that more in our next project. Now, Daredevil Born Again, we can do that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm hoping they learn from things like that because to be honest, um, in a, in a lot of ways they kind of don't have a choice like in a lot of the upcoming projects <laughs> that they have coming up between daredevil born again between blade and, and, and these are like very i think I, I think tonally defining projects like those two in particular will definitely propel us in the ways that we need to go if you're telling us that the defender universe is back and this daredevil story is about to come back and there's about to be this whole street level thing going on you got to get that tone right it has to make sense and uh and if you're bringing in blade which is kind of the, they probably, he, he's still street, but he's the more supernatural level of street, right? That's like, that's more Midnight Suns and what's going on there. You still got to get that tone right. And so really, uh, again, hopefully the, the glimpses, they're taking the the strokes of brilliance and they're painting them more broadly against some of the the other projects that are coming up. Because to be honest, uh, they kind of don't have a choice and it's time to get into the nitty gritty. and it's, it's time to get dark and real and, and, and capture the essence of what TVMA really is about.
0: Yeah, the the subject matter really is it. Um, I mean, yeah, some of these characters you have to go there. You really do like even a like a Daredevil. We talked a lot about the criminal enterprise aspect of it, but a show like mm-hmm. Jessica Jones dealt a lot with sexual assault. You know, that is a it did. that is a mature theme. You know, that you can't you can't shy away from it if you want to do it honestly. If you want to do it with integrity, like it just has to go there. Um, in some respects, not being gratuitous but doing it in a respectful way that acknowledges the severity of the situation. And uh, it's time for (laughs) it's time for Disney to take those gloves off, you know, and really go there. Um, And again, not just slap on, you know, a, a few drops of blood, you know, maybe maybe a head splatter here and there like that's just not going to cut it. Like I need I need this mm-hmm. to inherently be a part of the story that you're telling. Um, it almost has to be that way from the conception of it. Like you have to have a creator or a showrunner or a director coming in saying like this is going to be something that kind of pushes the, the the envelope a little bit. Like mm-hmm. we're going we're exactly. going after something that is speaking to a more adult oriented audience, a, a more mature audience that can that can sort of handle the subject matter and so um if they can if they can just lead with that there there's great chances that they can take in the future and there's great runway and great material that they'll have to work mm-hmm. with because that that opens up so many new characters, so many new ideas, so many new themes that they haven't been able to touch, you know, up until this point. And so, um I'm I'm cautiously optimistic just based off of what we saw here. I'm still a little bit hesitant to think that they'll really go there, but That being said, Daredevil, just knowing that that show is still somewhat under construction um, and even bringing a a character like Punisher back, which is like, I mean, there's no way to skirt around that. Like, what what are you going to do? Like, come on, he's (laughs) he's (laughs) he's murdering people in cold blood. That's what he does. Uh, So some of those signs, you know, sort of point to the fact that maybe they are. Dipping the toe and and then eventually we're going to dive in head first, which I think they'll, they're they going to have to do eventually um, and just sort of, you know, break break that break yeah. that fold and just get into it. Um, and people want it. People people obviously like have a desire to see that stuff like we can we can live in these multitudes. We can live with this with this the variety of content and, mm-hmm. and variety of tones and subject matter. Um, it'll be greater for them moving forward into the future as they continue to expand and continue to grow. But folks with all of that said those are all of our thoughts on the brand new marvel studios television series echo if you checked out this series all five episodes are available now hit us up and let us know what you think and with that being said that's all we have for this episode of two black nerds thank you again for tuning into another podcast we will be back soon i don't know when but we will be back soon because we have some other <laughs> movies to talk about including the book of clarence which is the brand new biblical epic from director james samuel starring lakeith stanfield we'll also talk about the brand new mean girls movie which uh, if you don't know by now it is a musical but we're going to talk about that as well <laughs> and then we'll probably also review and recap the emmys those will be airing this week and there will certainly be some big winners from that show so we'll be back to talk about that so until then plenty to look forward to but we will see y'all next time
1: yes yeah, sir we are Audi Five Thousand. Please again check out our Nerds of Mischief collection at twoblacknerds.com. And remember, always bet on black. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds. Where we're over Black? Two Nerdy. And we out y'all.
2: Peace.